I'm feeling good. I'm feeling comfortable. I'm feeling ready. <clears throat> I have to do my vocal exercises. Excuse me. Sitting by the trenches of a long, dark dock. play doge 2048 good because this one sure loves to i played it again yesterday that's not the thing i wanted to talk about but we were going to talk about the well it's if we want to talk about the three stuff 2048 is going to come up and i'm going to talk about doge it's april 3rd 2014 this is idle thumbs 152 i'm chris remo and i'm sean vanneman and we are joined today by our frequent friend well our constant friend and frequent guest danielle rendo of polygon Hi, it's really good to be here. I'm I'm glad to be a constant and a frequent guest and friend. Yeah, yeah. I'm also glad. You're my favorite guest. Well, thank you. Oh man, going out there. I'm pretty happy about that. Some burns happening right now. Nah, they're all. I mean, but it's like you can still have your best out of a out of a sample size of things that you think are all good. That's true. Yeah, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's like Junior Mints. Out of all the wonderful kinds of candy you can get at a movie theater. That's exactly right. Yes. You are the junior mints of the podcast. Yes. I'm so happy about that. <laughs> the Balboa the Theater. The podcast junior. At mix. 25th Avenue. <laughs> oh, the yes. The Balboa Theater at 25th Avenue in the Richmond puts their junior mints in the freezer <gasps> before they give them to you. Whoa. Because yeah. they love you. Yes. That's so crazy. if you are in San Francisco, I mean, I that, is a, that is I a little tip. That is my neighborhood theater. They're very good. They're very nice there. They did a Kickstarter. They did. I backed them. I backed my them name too, and I, nev- and I never... <laughs> Like, captured my rewards. You should capture them. I mean, it's not their fault. You should catch them. <laughs> I was going to say. Yeah. Did they not send rewards? Was this well, like, I don't you know. They just go there and you go there and they have your yeah, name on the list. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, you go, go there and you get movie tickets. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. The so only reason I did it tickets? is because I wanted to have my name on the lobby of a movie theater. And I knew it was the only way. <laughs> how, much, how much did you donate to get that? I don't know. Three digits. Because I, I gave them a hundred bucks, but I don't think it came with that. There's no way I gave over, um, I don't know, maybe it was 150. I don't know. Yeah. But for me, it was like, this is the only time in my life where that's ever going to be an option for me, where I can have of my course. name in the lobby yeah, yeah, of the yeah. theater. Uh-huh. So I'm I not going to, I'm not going to like there. be a patron of the ballet. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I would if I, yeah, it's, it's a fiscal thing, not a, if you not had a, tens of thousands of dollars to, to be a patron, to bequeath yeah. to the arts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So video, also yeah. Jake's not here. Yeah, I know. Oh yeah. Jake <laughs> is. That's true. <laughs> Jake is doing an embedded game development seminar in Hawaii. Hmm. Yeah. That sounds wonderful on all counts. Oh, no, we'll, Jake is actually just we'll, in Hawaii. We'll put, the, uh, <laughs> we'll put the fruitful <laughs> results of that seminar up on the blog. 
Yeah. That's, oh. That'll be equally as valid as all the other things we claim we'll put up on the blog. <laughs> you have no way to prove that that thing isn't real simply because it doesn't end up on the blog. Yeah. That's We've correct. been a little better about that recently, actually. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Uh, Blog.islethumbs.net. <laughs> it's a place you can go on There's the something on it, probably. Yeah. You've been playing, obviously you always, you've been oh, playing yes. a lot of games. Oh, yes. I'm always I don't know if I want to jump into the game that I've been playing, because I love it. Yeah? But we can maybe talk about your stuff. First. I played a couple of games that I've loved <clears throat> recently. I saw that yeah, on like Twitter. Twitter. Yeah. Okay, so I played Escape Goat 2, which is a oh, wonderful, yeah. wonderful oh, yeah. puzzle game. Yeah. Weird, kind of weirdly, like, co-published by Double Fine? Yes. I didn't actually know about that until after my review went up, that there was this publishing deal going on. But yeah, it's Magical Time Beam. Excuse me. Magical Time Bean, as in, like, black beans or like pinto legumes beans. yes exactly not beam kidney beans yeah lima exactly. beans wait okay so beans this game this is like a time travel platformer thing i actually didn't play the original scapegoat well it's not there's not really escape time goat. travel yeah what did i say you said scapegoat like oh, scapegoat oh, is oh, I, I thought escape. I said escape that's the brilliant goat. joke of course is that you're a goat because you're a scapegoat you're basically playing this cute little purple goat little dude i don't think he really has a name it's just goat you know uh it's a scapegoat goat oh. is actually short His for greatest of all time escape hmm? in the game it's goat is <laughs> yep greatest what of all time it's greatest of all time oh sure yeah, i yeah. like it yeah that's there's another layer of meaning i think to the game yeah, yeah there's, cool. there's really a lot there the there's many many layers this game an is like an of, onion it's an onion of metaphor <gasps> we made the same joke i'm so no, i'm so okay. happy i'm not i'm so that's okay. Yeah. What, what do you do in this video game? So in this video game, as the purple goat known as Escape, you basically have to escape a series of rooms in this weird giant labyrinth of puzzles. Every every room is sort of a single screen puzzle. It's a platformer, but it's much more of a puzzle oriented platformer. And you also have a rat and or mouse helper. I really don't know if it's a rat or a mouse. I couldn't figure. You said it out. and though. Wait, am I? Could it be am both? I, am I just making up the part about time manipulation, or is? Yeah, there's is not really like, any not, time manipulation. Oh, why did I? Th- where did I get maybe, that impression? Maybe from the developer's name, Magical Time Beam? Yeah. Maybe. Maybe it's a combination of that and then effects I saw in the trailer that I just assumed were... There's warping. I don't know why. Don't know why yeah. You can warp, which is essentially time travel. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. I kind of, I guess it's like localized time travel. Fourth, the fourth dimension is pierced in some way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess it works. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. It's just suddenly pierced. And it, it is. Rather than... I'm not going to extend this metaphor because it's going to start getting gross and weird. <laughs> Um, cool. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's a it's a really good game. It was really really fun. You know, I probably played it in maybe five or six hours. It's not like a huge, massive that's, time that's investment. Pretty decent for like yeah. a puzzle platformer thing, though, right? I mean, yeah, I think so. And there's plenty of bonus levels too. I mean, that was sort of you know critical path. Is there, blasting through? So I guess one of the things that I'm curious about when I see games like this, um, like I saw the trailer for this, the Double Fine made, and it was like a lot of it was like crazy, kind of hilarious Double Fine. Yeah, two-player production shenanigans, but also they showed just gameplay footage a bunch at the end. And I don't, like, I would totally try this game, but also I don't, there are so many games that kind of loosely fit into the category of kind of indie puzzle platformer now sure. that it's hard to know, like, okay, what's the actual identity of this game? Like, what, it, like, I kind of, it's in my good, brain, for some reason, like, just yeah. m- decided it was time travel, and I don't know why. I mean, that's obviously <laughs> wrong. Yeah. But, like, but, you know, when you think about Braid, like that game is really, um, gameplay wise, that game is really uh, constantly inventive. But like it, the levels introduce new mechanics frequently. But like everything fits under this kind of 
thematic time manipulation Aegis and like it feels the whole thing feels like of a piece and feels like it's like really but you know what though? exploring I think this Braid's thing identity from the outside before mm-hmm. you play Braid is really sort of like all over the place other than like the time the sure. actual like they have like an actual uh, when what, you say from the outside you mean like, like just if, it, if you were just looking at it from a marketing perspective yeah. but like braid essentially created this genre of like indie level it created it, indie level it puzzle sort of, platformers it certainly like he popularized it, popularized for sure, it yeah. Yeah. i mean the puzzle platformers exist but like small team indie puzzle platformers i mean what was i don't know i'm just I I, i'm just not willing that. to like make a claim like that unless i feel like i actually have well i mean i'm at least for the to... for like the popular audience when it comes well, to being saying, able popular, on xbox popularized. live and things yeah, like yeah, that, yeah. Right? it was that's, the that's first fair. one for yeah. that you could just download and play out if you only had a console sure so i think i do think it popularized the genre yeah and i don't know when so I like braid... it, you can't really hold it up the same way because i think if braid came out today it would have a lot of identity issues when it comes so? to Maybe I think once people started talking about it and playing it, you would get a lot of it would get great so, word of mouth. But when you look reason, at it as like a brand, when like what is that little so, guy? Well, maybe like the art isn't super appealing. Like oh, I just I just it's agree. a hard thing I, to communicate. I don't. Agree. I, don't, I, don't know. I, I guess I just don't feel that way. Like I, I think Braid gets more scattered. Like in some ways, after you dive into it, and there's all the kind of like um, fuzzy sort of narrative stuff that I don't think always entirely hits. But like I think just just glancing at bits of it, at least for me. The color palette I really liked, the sort of uh, weird interpretation of kind of Mario-esque proportions. Um, I like the I, I actually like the art in that game a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, to, to me, that game feels cohesive visually, and I I, um, I, I don't think I had that problem, but may, but who knows, right? Like, I don't know. I also probably was aware of a lot of the stuff going on around it at the time, so maybe that it wasn't... I, I'm not even capable of looking at it from that, from the perspective you described. But yeah. in any, in any case, like that aside, um, I am curious, like what makes this, is this game just like, cause when I look at, when I, when I look at the footage from, from, uh, from a scapegoat, the thing that reminds me of, and I don't mean this in like, uh, in a pejorative way, I don't mean this like to discount the game in the slightest, but I look yeah. at it and I'm like, Oh, this is like something I would play on like new grounds or congregate or something where it's not, uh, I feel like those, um, I don't know, forums, like th- those locations are really good places to try something that could have a really strong mechanical hook without necessarily like needing all the other parts of the, of the game that you would usually have to sell someone an experience for like $20 or whatever. Um, like all there and, making a case for themselves just you mean like it's creative identity yeah like i i've played a lot of games like that on places like congregate and and newgrounds that are Mm -hmm. essentially puzzle platformers because they're the investment to like start just moving the character around the screen is next to zero and they're games that if i just saw them on steam i may not necessarily Mm -hmm. go be like okay this as like an entire total work uh, just at a glance appears to be so compelling that I want to go through the process of like going through checkout, downloading it, like launching executable, right, right. like playing it. Um, I mean, the amazing title doesn't immediately grab you and make you think, Oh, I've got well, to make so that you, go to scale. Yeah, so the reason I don't want to, <laughs> the reason I don't want to say this as like a negative thing is because I don't want to create the impression that like, I don't think developers should charge for their work or anything. I strongly believe 
that developers should like you know what I mean I don't have a problem paying for games it's just that there this is a genre where there are so many amazing examples of it at like every level of kind of investment required to get into it that I I just don't know how to react when I see a trailer like the one I did for Escape Goat 2 because I'm like okay I mean that that looks like it could be cool but like I don't yeah. Know. Yeah. No, I, I understand what you're saying. Like there, there's certainly a feeling like it, there have been times in the last couple of years when I've, you know, gone to an indie puzzle platformer and been like, OK, an indie puzzle platformer, as if that's its own. It, that's one game, an Uber game and everything and just kind of slots in somehow like that. I mean, I think Escape Go 2 really it sets itself apart in ways that aren't going to be visible in sort of a, a trailer or sure. especially a <laughs> wacky shenanigans kind of trailer. Yeah. It's just really, really incredibly well designed. Okay. Like, and it, and it kind of fair. does that thing that a really great puzzle game does where the, that sort of amazing design is invisible. You know, like, you don't get the sense that, like, okay, I, I know exactly what I'm going to do the second I, I walk into this room. Instead, you're experimenting. You're trying new things with your mouse slash rat friend, whatever animal it is, whatever small rodent it is. Um, and it's always sort of rewarding that experimentation. And I don't know. I just feel like there's a very distinct sense of being... I felt almost as if I was in sort of like a Zen flow state the whole time I was playing this game. I was like, okay, I'm figuring out this mechanic. I'm figuring out how to warp. I'm figuring out how to use the mouse, rat, whatever, yeah. to my best advantage. Like, I, I just felt smart and I felt empowered the entire time I played. So it's just, it's partially just really good design and polish. And mm -hmm. obviously, it's, it's a tiny team. That's totally fair, yeah. Yeah, it's a tiny team. I think maybe three or four people made this game. And there's a very distinct sense that this was made by a very small team yeah. that kind of iterated and iterated and iterated and play tested and play tested and play tested and made something that felt really good to play basically cool. so that's a good game you should play that game it sounds like maybe i should <laughs> yeah if you enjoy you know oh god that's the worst thing to ever say right <laughs> if you, you love, like the genre yeah. if you're a yeah. fan of blank and you it. really find yourself liking blank then maybe you'll like yeah, yeah. That's the thing I'm never allowed to say. I think Arthur, if you fans ever of the listens, genre, yeah, you can't. Yeah. Fans well, of the genre, you can't use those four, four words. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm forbidden. Also, we'll that. find a lot to love here. Yeah, <laughs> you're gonna find. Minor, like you're digging in the mud. You're gonna find a lot aside. to love. <laughs> yeah. Yes, God, it's really compelling. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There's many words we're not allowed to use. Good. It's good. It's a good thing. It's good that you have that kind of style guide. Actually, yeah. I remember it was actually kind of a. I mean. I, maybe I've brought this up on the podcast before, but I, I don't remember what age I was. But I remember at some point when I was like old enough to care about what the New York Times style guide might say about things. I, so like, like eight or nine. Fuck <laughs> off, <laughs> Chris Remo. Um, Two and a half. I remember. <laughs> I, I was probably in college, but I whatever. I I remember seeing a, just in some unrelated interview or something with someone who like was an editor at the Times or had done reporting for them or or was a staff writer there's like talking about just in an offhanded way about like the list of cliches that they <laughs> like like uh turns of phrase essentially mm -hmm. that they maintain that it's like you can't use these unless you have a really really powerful reason to do so because these have been so thoroughly beat into the ground that it's just not it's not doing anything for right. anyone like it's not doing anything for the reader it's not like illuminating anything uh everyone's seen this before and there's no reason 
to like if you're a writer, you should be able to express your thoughts in a way that right. is that is more original. I remember when we were talking about uh, Umberto Eco's translator oh, yeah. once, and you use the phrase like that De- dead to language. Dead to language. Was, yeah. I love that. Like I still yeah. use that actually. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that was. I think he was talking about Italo Calvino, same translator. Oh yeah, w- yeah William yeah, Weaver. But he was yeah, talking yeah. about Italo Calvino. Kept wanting to use the word feedback. Yeah, he was like that. You can't. You can't. You can't use it use the way you want. The to way use you want it. to. Like it's dead. It's a total <laughs> cliche at this point. And Calvino just loved the sound of it and thought he was being very like, clever by using this English <laughs> word. And Weaver just had to keep taking it out and keep taking it out, like in the <laughs> translation. I love that. Dead, so dead to language is the way Weaver put it, and I thought that was yeah, such a brilliant. It's really good. It is really good. I actually have. We even have like individual writers. If we overuse a word, we're like forbidden from using it for a few months. <laughs> I definitely nice. overused "cute" at one point this winter, and I'm not allowed to use "cute" till May, basically. Nice. Yeah, wow. it's pretty that, good. That's good. That's a good. It's good that you have active yeah edi- editors. We did, that, we did that. We did that on the Walking Dead season one. Oh, we nice. couldn't. Yeah, there was no how you holding up. It's crazy. Because like it's a survival thing, right? It's all about people who care about how their person's feeling. Yeah. And we had uh between myself, Gary Wooda, um, and then uh Mark Darren, and then a couple other people kind of filter in at times. That was like the core people writing content for the game. And without having to say anything, I remember just realizing that there were like fifteen how you holding ups. (laughs) And I was like Team e- to the gang, you will not use the phrase "how you holding up." If you see the phrase "how you holding up," you will talk to the writer. It will be stricken from the game. <laughs> yeah, that's nice. super good. Yeah, that's. Really, I, w- really I mean, good. it's really challenging because you get there and uh-huh. you're just like, "How you feel?" Oh, Everything. shit! Like that oh. actually drives me crazy. I feel like there's, but a- it's also the meaning. It's yeah. Sorry, go ahead. No, no. Continue. Oh, it's it, you. What you realize is that it's your. It's just the laziest form of writing. Mm-hmm. It's just the laziest thing because there's always something way more specific for a character to be curious about. Yeah. And you would never say that to your friend who you knew a lot about or were getting to know. Yeah. You know, even. Yeah, you wouldn't. Well, there's you know a lot I mean? of things you wouldn't say. You know, it's a this because starts to like become meta and double back on itself because at this point we like people of our generation or like the preceding generation or people younger than us as well. Like I, I sort of grew up in an era where you can be weirdly pop culturally omnivorous and just kind of have this terrifying just array of pop culture shit in your head all the time and so that's which is where things like supercuts come from of you know like there's probably a how you holding up supercut like we've got company you know (laughs) fucking um quick aside (laughs) um adrian fennel from valve i played dota with him he's from venezuela when like we get jumped on in the middle, like somebody comes out of the woods, he his hilarious like self aware bastardization of we've got company is we've got customers, <laughs> <laughs> and it's so good. It's like, oh no, we've got customers. <laughs> nice. It's so, so good. good. That's actually more a result of his Valve service based economy <laughs> indoctrination. No, no, we don't ever have company. We have we have unserved customers. Exactly. Right. We have guests. Gabriel, but actually, I think that this is going that. to turn back into. Well, the thing this I was going to support the thing you're about to say. But go on. Well, the thing. I, well, I don't know. But the thing <laughs> I, I was going to say is that I think now those things have reached a point where you can't even say them in life without it almost being implicitly like a reference pastiche. or like a or, past- yeah. Yeah, pastiche. Exactly. And so or I, like, I guess an ironic reference. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, or if you don't mean it that way, then, you know, the other person. 
The other person might even kind of chuckle a bit, or you might realize in retrospect, like, oh, ha ha. Um, right. It's like this thing, or it's like this thing that characters say. It's a thing that characters right. say. Right. It's like saying, you know, it's like saying, I'll be back. Yeah. Or it's like yeah. the thing that, a thing I hate that drives me crazy because it seems so forced to me is when uh, someone apologizes, someone is like, does something that, that both characters know is like unforgivable or very bad. And one character says, I'm sorry. And then the other character says, so am I. No one, oh, God. no one says that, but it's crazy yeah. how common it's like insane. I think I've written that. Oh, far, I think I haven't. It goes, that I don't think I have. But like, everywhere. I just got like a weird bolt of fear, yeah. like where oh, I left, yeah. like I left the oven on yeah. or something. I was like, oh God, it's everywhere. <laughs> it's everywhere. It's crazy. There's things I'm like sorry, that Chris. that are just everywhere. Um, and sorry. and like, you're supposed to call and response that right there. Your eyes are actually saying, so am I. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, this is radio. Uh, <laughs> oh, but, good. Yeah, that shit is weird. It's almost worse when people, like, make a game out of it, and it's awful and dorky, and it's like, oh, are you keeping score? Like, oh, yeah, got you can the most descend into, like, reference today. bingo, like, and that's un- <sighs> that's unbearable. I almost yeah, feel like that's times. worse yeah. sometimes than, than the phrases themselves. Or, I or hate sort of, yeah. references. I hate referential humor. I especially hate it in, like other in media like i hate it although i just wrote what do you mean by by in media i hate like in joke references that aren't part of the characters getting to know each other or something where it's like oh yeah was that thing you put in this scene a reference to this i hate that question and i hate the idea that that's somebody's intent where it's like, oh, no, we put whatever in there because we're trying to make a reference to Ghostbusters 2. It's like, just make a fucking reference to Ghostbusters 2 then. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? It's like, you know, I don't just know. Just do it. Yeah. I could probably really guilty I mean, of that. The version the of it time. that drives me crazy is that is a referential humor, I guess, is that it is sort of actually just a substitute for humor. Right. Like mm-hmm. making a reference to something becomes... The humor in and of itself, whether or not anything yeah, funny yeah, has yeah. been said. And I think that's sort of the, the sniff test, right? Yeah. Where you're sort of like, well, the only reason this is being said is to be communicated that it's known, I guess. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a thing that I've heard of before. Hey, yeah. you know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I recognize it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, there's a lot of that in games journalism. Gonna, gonna throw that out there. There's yeah. a whole lot of that. A whole yeah. lot of it. Again, I'm not allowed to do that. I'm also not allowed to. We're not allowed to criticize games <laughs> journalism. I like the I like the sort of yeah. the version of, of Danielle, like the version of while well, you're here at least. You could be. Yeah. I like the idea that you are sort of like implicitly discussing how awesome you and your coworkers are, <laughs> but in a way that that makes it sound like you're being penalized. Like, yeah. oh, we're not allowed to do those terrible things. We're only allowed. We're only allowed to, to, be to write excellent. beautiful like, prose at polygon.com. Yeah. I don't know about other places. There are some people in your industry who think they write beautiful prose and it is in fucking it's, penetrable. It's garbage. Oh, like, that's not like garbage. That is not language. That is that is a collection. That's that like an exploded thesaurus. Right. Word, it's like somebody saying, I'm going to cook you a died. meal. And there's just like an egg in its shell <laughs> and like a fucking bologna in a package. Yeah, but like something really like, exotic, like, like a lettuce with like roots and dirt attached to it. It's like, okay, <laughs> this is all food. One of those, it's all on the, there you one go. Of those, all on the plate. Like, one of those there's fruits your meal. where if you don't cut it the right way, it'll kill you. <laughs> yeah. And it's kind of weirdly sliced. And it's all there on the plate there's together. Just a and they're just like, ta da. There you go. Figure it out. I scoured the lands far and wide for the ingredients in this mask. And you're like, this is fucking garbage. And they're like, that's that's organic butter lettuce. And you're like, yeah, but it's covered in dirt and worms. You just picked it up off the ground. 
Anyway, I understand. A lot of words picking up off the ground. Yeah, there's a lot of walls of words. Yeah, but that's in any writing. I think it's just it's because true. it feels it's inexcusable in games writing because the thing you're writing about is like video games. Like, I, it's inexcusable. I feel like it happens to the like, most. Like just fucking be plain, invert the fucking yeah. pyramid, like concise, clear, find some facts that I wouldn't have known had I not read this thing and I'm going to love you forever. Like the Hindustan Times AP article about Firewatch. Oh, it's <laughs> AFP. It was it, oh, AFP. France oh, Press. I, yeah. I believe so there's a plug here. No, 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 no. It's not, it's not a story plug. There was just one, like the, like one AP It was an AFP like Newswire story yeah. about the Firewatch game announcement and it was the like most sharply written, like most concise, readable, well-informed piece. Like it had gone to the website, found two things that weren't just like from a press release or from sure, another yeah. blog post, referenced them in a really like cogent sort of like, uh, what's sort of looking for? Um, like uh, processed way. Mm-hmm. It was like the developer hasn't lost their sense of humor, comma, quote, thing, done. It was just like news. Yeah, Journalism. Like someone who knows how to put a sentence together. <laughs> yeah. Just like bam, 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 bam. It was, it was really, really refreshing. Really I hate impressive. that it was written about us because I'd rather it had been written. But like well, maybe they probably the, write all their shit. Maybe, the AFP, <laughs> maybe the AFP video game person is just on fucking just point. On point, yeah. Deserves to be on Air Force One like interviewing the president. <laughs> Very who nice. does no press, by the way. He goes on Funny or Die, but he like hasn't done an interview <laughs> with the fucking New York Times paper of record in like six years. Anyway, it's infuriating. Yes. Journalism. Thanks, Obama. Thanks, Good Obama. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I was waiting for that one. Um, yeah, no, it's... it's. Uh, we've kind of gone out in the weeds here because I was yeah. going to talk about refer- humor that is both referential and fucking amazing. Fucking South Park game mm. is goddamn good. Yeah? So why is it good? Tell me about good. this because I need to be convinced for sure. You, it is good. Do yeah. you like South Park even a little bit? Do you I mean, appreciate I South it. Park? I okay, done. That's it. all you need. Okay. If you didn't, fall, if it didn't like harm you in any way, it's no, not I mean, like a like, friend going who, like, back. So them. South Park and I have a complicated relationship because okay. it's definitely like Let's okay, I'm kind of like this hardcore <laughs> feminist. I guess I can say that feminist cabal. Give me my what? cash. Watch out. Um, so there are definitely things in South Park that are shitty and I think are problematic. But I definitely use. I think love in it. the text yeah. you're correct, but somehow you do that. Maybe this is like a fucked up thing people do. So I might just I might talk myself out of believing this while I'm using my mouth to make words. <laughs> but I feel like looking at all of uh, Trey Parker and Matt Stone, I always get their first and last names. I think you correct. got it right. Yeah. yeah. Looking yeah. at all their work, I feel like a track back to like the source, like if you go up to where like the glacial water is coming off the fucking <laughs> mountain. I don't, I feel like they're probably, you guys would probably share a lot of core values actually. You know what I mean? So I think the th- way that I think some of their values get manifested in their in their creative work in a really sort of fucked up way, which then gets co-opted in a really gross way, like sure, sort of yeah. like the Archie Bunker problem a little yeah, bit, but absolutely. less obvious, but more convoluted. Um, I don't know, but because I hear because I definitely I definitely understand where you're, where you're coming from. I mean, but for I some also, reason, it's like less sorry. insidious in South Park because I feel like I'm like. It was like that Colbert thing this week or whatever. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Where it's like, that's a funny guy. That's a funny joke. Like, because in, in context of what he's making fun of. Well, yeah. The Washington Redskins. Right. Yeah. The person. Yeah. The thing he's making fun of is actually the thing he's being accused of. Yeah. Like, sometimes I feel like they are they are making a comment about the world through the kids who you are really empathetic for because the South Park kids are like the protagonists and you right. have feelings for them, even though they're 
yeah, are but they're not always politically, they, even though they're wrong. Capital yeah, W. Yeah. They're not, yeah. yeah. There's some the thing that also makes it complex is that since it's a comedy, I feel like I think a lot of comedies do this and it can make them it can make that sort of intent and meaning fuzzy mm-hmm. is that they kind of a lot of times comedies just arbitrarily decide whether their perspective characters are going to be used as like the speaking truth to power character or as the representing what's wrong character and then yeah, the, show, then the narrative voice of the show itself yeah. will or the work or the book or whatever will uh will well that was Chappelle's problem a little bit it. right because he could sort of like morph into these two versions right where like i'm representative but i'm also not like yeah. and i feel like that gets confused by people yeah. who aren't like critical studies majors at Baylor or whatever. Yeah. Sure. I don't know why yeah. I picked Baylor. Baylor. I picked, I like I picked, I picked a very <laughs> religious <laughs> all-black university in nice. Waco, Texas, the end. <laughs> I was going to say... Interesting connotation so there. <laughs> is I was thinking like Tufts, which is the other fucking realm of the spectrum, and I was like, Tufts is too intense. And then I went, B, this is all happening. In my brain, I was like, Brigham Young. Like, no, 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 that's not quite right. And then I was like, Bleh. and I've been watching March Madness. And Baylor. I was thinking about last year when Brittany Griner was a kick ass in the NCAA Women's. And I was like, Baylor is where it came. They're, they're what? That's my whole brain in like a quarter, cool. like a tenth of a second. So, yeah, I think sure they have media God. critical studies at Baylor, but it's also <laughs> sure that it's uh, stilted or slanted one way. I, yeah. Speaking yeah. of religion and yeah. these guys, I remember seeing. Uh, I saw the Book of Mormon with my mom oh, on Broadway. Awesome. I haven't seen it. <laughs> and yeah, and it's so my mom, um, my mom is not like a an incredibly dogmatic religious person, but she definitely like is a religious person, and like you know her like relationship with her God is important to her, and she goes to like mass most weeks, and we sat there watching uh, the Book of Mormon, which was like, I was very concerned about this experience. <laughs> sure. <laughs> and yeah. like, I, for the first, I feel like for the first 15 minutes, she was kind of uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And then by the end, she was just like, that was delightful. That had such a nice message. Yeah. I, I really like that. Yeah. Like, she was. That's really... what I've heard from Mormons, especially. Like, mm, I've heard Mormons yeah. have said the exact same thing. Yeah. You know? Like, yeah. I grew up in a very Mormon town. And uh, I had a good Mormon friend growing up. Yeah, and I've heard the same thing where it's like, no, that wasn't. Yeah, which I think is actually pretty wonderful that they're able to pull it off. Yeah, and that's what I'm kind of saying. It's like, well, those guys have it in their bones to like. It feels like if they were sitting here, that's like, oh, you guys are decent guys. Well, you're still responsible for the shit you put in your meat. Yeah, you're still responsible for that. There's another thing about South Park that is similar to the thing I was saying about characters being either the perspective character, like, or being either the conscience or like the thing that gets um, contradicted by the Mm -hmm. conscience of the show. Which is that I think also South Park has sort of oscillated sometimes bet- like episode to episode between having a social voice and just not caring about it at all. And yeah. I don't think that is I, there, I haven't watched South Park in a couple of seasons. I haven't really watched it at all recently in the last several years. But like definitely I feel like that is true even going back to the very beginning of that show. Right. Like I mean there I'm sure there have been big broad evolutions in South Park's voice over the 15 years or whatever. But – I feel like ever since that show started, it's been kind of waffling between having like a strong social message and like just being hilarious when it wants to be. Well, what's funny is, and I was just, which is not inherently bad, but it does make it hard to judge It's super troubling, right? It's just like, it's always moving. You can't really pin Mm -hmm. it down. And I have the same thing. First off, I really like the game a ton. So we'll talk about the game. But, and I actually, I want to, because I cut you off, I want to go back to unpacking your relationship with South Park because I think um, I want to hear it. But there's a cho- like one of the classes in the game. It's gonna. This is even really fucking hard for me to say. It's so funny. <laughs> so you can choose between like fighter, like wizard, something, and then the fourth class is Jew, right? Jesus. <laughs> yeah, 
but like yep. that and that yeah. like, like like very like obtuse anti-semitic thing has been in south park for a long time yeah to the point where it gets homogenized with it comes from like Cartman's characters being just the worthless shit. Right. You know, just a disaster. Um, like just ugh, the worst, but it gets homogenized into the entertainment in a way that I feel like for its audience is sort of poisonous. Right. For sure. Yeah. yeah. And Absolutely. that is the thing that makes me uncomfortable. But then I have to like divorce myself from the member as a member of society and appreciate it as a text right. to like, get past it does that make sense yeah, yeah totally Where I'm, like, yeah. I'm just like, i'm just consuming yeah. this in a vacuum with sure. my brain no, not my brain in context yeah, of all is... the idiot kids who are like what you're a jew it's like you can't say that like that that's a yeah. pejorative when you say it like that yeah well that's what's hard <laughs> about something like that becomes a franchise because now south park has like yeah. hundreds of episodes and now that like in a version of the world where south park was like a thing that existed for two seasons or like was a movie or like right. what you know was like a special like that you can like that joke can be a thing that is much more pointed, but like, and you know, probably was until it was times 8,000, right? Mm -hmm. Like over 15 years. Um, but then once it becomes like a franchise and now that's just like a hook in the South park world, but yeah, it's like, does it still have the actual same, like, uh, kind of, um, I don't know, self parody parodying kind of quality that it did. I don't know. Right. Does it? It's funny. I I did, it's so funny. Well, I couldn't. I didn't choose the class because I. Couldn't. I was like, I'll be a fighter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I want to. I definitely. I'm gonna play. The, I'm gonna play it again. I'm starting a new character, and I'm gonna choose it for like curiosity reasons because I want to see how. Yeah. Like what that actually means. Because like, I think those dudes game. are fucking smart. I think those guys are really, really super like hyper intelligent right. guys, and they probably don't dislike Jews. I'm gonna guess. I'm gonna yeah, guess that they don't. <laughs> um, yeah. So I, it's interesting to me because you have to make it, you make a choice about everything, you, especially it's easier to see it in a game, right? Like when you think about a TV show, you just think about like, especially if you watch the South Park documentary that's on Netflix, it's just like, we have three days, bam, it's fucking out. And like when you're just like on a tear for 72 hours and have to make something creative, you're going to do, you're going to say crazy shit. Well, also, Whatever being is on in stage. the back of your also, brain. Something yeah, being on stage. Also, something can be in a show for the duration of time of like three frames, whereas right. in a game... Even something you intend to be that the case, the player can just sit there and let and it, stare at it sit in and the middle of their screen for four hours if they yeah. feel like it, you yeah. know. And really, like, the whole process of making a game, this game took so long to make, and I guess it was, like, had troubled times at Obsidian from time to time, from what I understand. Yeah. Um, but it, it's, you think about, you have so much longer to sit with your creative choices. We have a very short schedule, and that's all I ever think about. I get tired of my on, of on shit. Our, on Firewatch? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, oh, God. Like, we thought about this three months ago, but, like, oh, maybe we'll get rid of it. Because um, you just can marinate mm -hmm. on that stuff. For sure. And for that's, so it feels like if it makes it in. There must be a reason. You either just. So, doesn't have mean a, it's a good Yeah, you have amazing blinders on, or you made a really someone, considered yeah. choice. Yeah. But, um. Can we talk, let's talk about Yeah, yeah. Really actually, yeah. a lot of what you were saying right there about media literacy was. is tremendous to sort of my opinion of South Park and my later informed opinion, me at 30 versus me at 21, when I thought it was all hilarious and great and who cares. And, you know, I subscribe to the whole idea of, oh, you know, they can say anything they want because why shouldn't they? Because everything's funny because they do equal time. They take shots at everyone, right. which I now think is somewhat of a problematic viewpoint because folks in the wider world aren't necessarily media literate. They'll watch something they, and they'll yeah. kind of take it in. And like you're saying, like Sorry, kids will be like, off. oh, yeah, you know, they'll they'll make Jew jokes or whatever it is, whatever's going to happen. 
if we lived in a world where media literacy was as prominent as, you know, straight up literacy, being able to read words on a page, that sort of thing, I would have much more patience for this kind of thing. And I would have much more understanding and I would enjoy it more. But I sort of worry and I can't help but worry about sort of like the way it's going to affect folks who aren't as media literate or who don't have, you know, yeah. way too much time, you know, like my yeah. ridiculously well, useless college scanning, degrees. Or who aren't like, scanning things for subtext. Like, yeah. But right. you know what, though? Of it's course. like there's something I think about. Because I think about like try to remember like being a kid a little bit. And I think there's something about just being lucky enough to like be raised by folks who like try to put some values in you where when something steps over the line in media, right. Where you're like, you watch the first time you, you know, you see, uh, oh God, I'm trying to think of some of the comedians I saw like just say crazy shit. I mean, the first time um, you hear a certain slur or something. In yeah. Comedy. Oh, you yeah. know, Chris rock. So yeah, I remember sure. I was fucking obsessed for some reason. I was a little white kid growing <laughs> up in Wyoming obsessed with Chris rock. <laughs> That's awesome. Like I had every Chris rock album. I could probably sit here and have I heard like the beginning of one of them just go with like, every word. <laughs> That's so, so good. Like, um, and there was something I remember the first time I heard Chris Rock, and it was so casually, it was using all this racist language. It was so casually mean and so casually intense. And I remember like, I don't think I feel right about this. But that <laughs> yeah, put totally. me in a position where like as this like not not educated person, but um, emotionally educated, I guess. But as this not educated person to start having to make a relationship with that in culture. And I think that's valuable. Like, I think that yeah. is still a valuable experience. But like, so it kind of comes back to the onus of like, like, it's really important to like raise your kids, right? <laughs> you know, and like not, but the yeah. point is, is like, what do you do? And obviously I like, it gets to the point, right? Where like being raised, right? is sort of a privilege. It's a very lucky thing. Sure. Yeah. Um, I, Cause I don't know. I, I'm, I'm in that spot, right? Where it's like, if the world, every, if everybody um, had good parents and took media literacy 101 at 13, like how bad would the jokes have to get to make you feel that way? You know, yeah, to really true. like make you go like, Oh fuck. Like, you can't, I don't think that's right. You know, like, comedy's had a history where, like, people have stepped over the line. It's like when, oh, what's his name? Gilbert Gottfried made the 9-11 joke a week after at the at the, mm. at the the roast of Pam Anderson or something yeah, like that. Yeah, I think it was that. Yeah. Yep. And it just, like. It's like, not cool, man. And he just, yeah. it just, people mutinied and he just kept going. You know, like, I think there's always, and that was a room full of super intelligent comedic minds. Yeah. So I think it's comedy is always going to go to that place where it's really, really bad. But I think the thing where it gets funky with South Park is like, there's like South Park, like onesies, <laughs> you know, oh, yeah. like you can get a yeah. South Park lunchbox. I think there's a lot of value yeah. in the people who it's are a South going Park to video them. game for Christ's sake. Yeah. That's why I kind of, I like it. There's so many South Park video games. Although there, this one's good. Apparently. This one is really good. <laughs> and I think that's why I like it because it feels like the humor didn't have to go through. We're at a time finally where like, Everything that is something like South Park doesn't have to go through a different apparatus to get into a game than it would a show or it would a movie. Yeah, right. Mm -hmm. I know what you mean. And that's so that's refreshing. so rare. It's yeah. so refreshing. At anything beyond like, the indie scale. When you play this game and like somebody swears or you hear a joke and you're like, oh, God. Like it's not like gross out or anything like that, but like super just like to the like gets right into your soul about like something just mean or something like very very true i can't i yeah, can't you never hear that in games in games there's a yeah. the version of that always of that always has like an ellipsis and then 
kind of it's a, like it's got a, the like, i'm in a video game what, wink to yeah, it. And like yeah. a one and a half <laughs> yeah. entendre and you're like right. oh i hate this yeah like that's it's it's so toothless yeah. even when it thinks it's not being but then the way but then it'll be something incredibly exploitative in terms of like violence or sexual imagery or something but then the language side of it is like the dumbest shit ever and you're right. like this seems like it's the opposite of what it and the, the thing with the south park game is like it is be. all like fucking on point like yeah. from it like complete control of the tone and execution of what south park is is complete is handle it's perfect everything is like there are jokes that are in a cutscene. there are jokes that like when you're running around you hit the x button and you knock something over that make you laugh there are jokes in enemy barks there are jokes in the menu when you meet a new character there are jokes in the combat like the first time you use a skill and you're not expecting the av that you get it's amazing like the one of the first skills you get is the ability to use a like a baseball bat a ball and a baseball bat and you throw the ball up in the air and you hit the ball and that's like and you have to kind of like it's an action rpg you have to like throw the ball time it there's no meter on screen you just kind of kind of wait for the ball to come down it's mm. perfect and the feedback you get from success and failure of that is like i produced one of those like oh like a no like a laugh yeah. that was like getting punched in the right. gut and the fact that the game can execute what it is like can pull off south park air mm-hmm. quotes in every phase is amazing like mechanically um and obviously the writing uh, aesthetically everywhere is just like so refreshing so because games never that. fucking do that yeah so i have a question related mm-hmm. to that um so do you think so how how does how do you where do you think this game stands like I don't know, aesthetically or like in terms of like message or just anything like whatever, anything about it from the perspective of someone who isn't already steeped in South Park and doesn't get that part of the pleasure from it of like identifying how like on brand it is like the I mean, it's for example, like, like the reason I bring it up is because the thing I'm curious about and maybe you're not qualified to talk about this yet because you didn't start a character in this class. But like if you start up the game and you see the, the class selection list and you're like, oh, Jew, I'm going to do that. Does the game within the text of the game itself, does it contextualize that in the way that makes it not problematic in the same way it would simply because you understand for me, why, it, why that yeah. is like a running joke hmm. in the show? I might be giving it too much credit um, at, right now, so I might retract this in the future. But to me, it feels like, yes, it feels like that doesn't feel like a reference to the show. It feels like I had kind of like it feels like that could have been. There can be st- there could be stuff like that that is just as like over the top and big like that's a class choice yeah that's huge that right. wouldn't be a direct reference to the show yeah um very easily mm-hmm. you know I think it feels like seeing it for the first time in the game would feel the same way and would be handled the same way as if you saw it for the first time in an episode that you were watching online right. or right. whatever You're like oh, I'm gonna pick this episode and you're like oh god. It doesn't, none of it feels winky to me. None of it feels like this is a reference to the show, which is what's amazing about it to me. Like, it's so easy to just be like, we're just going to put all the jokes from the show in one place. (laughs) And like, it's got that sort of like the Simpsons movie feel of like, here's all of Springfield, you know, or like, here's all of South Park. It has that sort of like expansive because we're bringing the franchise into a different medium. We're going to like give you like the whole picture we're gonna like and there's this guy and this guy and this guy 
a little bit, but it doesn't feel like that. And I think that's really important. You know, I feel like you just have to say, what if somebody discovered South Park via this game? Right. That's, yeah. That's what I mean. And that's, it feels like that is considered in a way that is really kind of remarkable. It also does that mechanically. Like, it's an action RPG that, I don't know, I probably have a little too much nostalgia for, like, one of my probably top 10 favorite games ever was the Super Mario RPG on the Super NES. Oh, mm. God, yeah. yeah. So it's a great game. So it's like that. It has, like, turn-based um, combat, but has action elements of timing right. and things like that with zero fucking quick time UI. Like, like it's like the thing glints and you've got a block or whatever. Or, like, you throw the ball up in the air and you have to hit it when it comes down. And there's no sort of, like, golf timer while that's happening. you have to press and stuff? I mean, it teaches you that. Okay. And, like, the bottom menu. But it doesn't have, like, quick time UI where, okay, like, a sure. meter so, yeah, is going up or, a, a, like, the blah, blah, A button yeah, doesn't yeah. blink or anything right, like that. Right, 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 right. Um, but it's a really in-depth... Look, I mean, more in-depth than it ne- needed to be or should be, uh, like, RPG system. Like, mm-hmm. you have, like you get status effects and you have to dispel them with all these different things. And you have like really think about your strategy about how you're going to get through this fight and things like that. Like the fights are like, it's a obsidian game. Like it's a legit, like these guys have been making this type of game for a long time. They they know their shit. And it feels like an introduction to turn-based action RPGs for people who maybe haven't played them, but like South Park, it just feels like they, they're like, again, doing all the things right. Like, Oh, you never played this type of game. Don't worry about it. You're going to enjoy it because we're going to execute on it really well and make sure you don't get left behind. Oh, you've never seen South Park? Don't worry about it. This The fucking jokes in the story is just good. Like, it's kids playing, like, like Lord of the Rings style dress up in their neighborhood, but it get it taken to, like, the extremes. Right. Um, I, I almost wonder if... I really if, like that a lot. Yeah. yeah so good. I was going to say, I almost wonder if I should give it a shot because I've been, I've really been on the fence about this the whole time. I want like you to send me like, an I, I really... and be like, you are a fucking idiot. <laughs> I know, I know, right? Like, no, I, I like... You should come back on this show after you've played it because I, like, I don't post South Park have any opinion really on the actual game at all, but I would be really curious to hear, like, given yeah. this conversation so far, I would love to hear an update to it. Yeah, because I mean, I, I like, I definitely, all the things I've said before are, are certainly what I think and what I feel, but I also definitely have the ability to divorce myself, you know, yeah. in, in small periods of time to be like, I'm going to just give myself over to this and completely. Well, so there's also you're coming here wearing like regarding a Cartman the, t-shirt. So, like doing <laughs> Cartman voices. If I could go back to the thing like you were Mr. saying about. Hanky backpack. If I were going back to the thing you were saying about media literacy, I guess yeah. like one of the things about that is that I think about this a lot too, actually. Like I certainly like obviously I'm sure not quite in the same way you do because everyone's different, but like sure. um, I, as a general topic, I've thought about it a lot and I, I don't know, I never know entirely what to make of it. Right. Because you want to have things that do require a high level of media literacy because that's what's interesting, right? Absolutely, like you don't want, yeah. you, you want there to be works that are challenging in that way because otherwise all that media literacy just gets wasted on reference fest like the shit we were talking about earlier yeah, right for like, sure. you you want there to be a reason for that that is more than just like haha get it it's like well, so you guy. want the banned books um, list the books that people think are dangerous like you right. need to have that yeah, like, yeah, I mean, yeah. that's what you but, want right so but you also don't want to be just wantonly exploitative and uh lazy about it right and so contributing like, to problems and shitty images and right so for on sure, and so for forth, sure. Yeah. yeah exactly so like that line is really fine and really hard to walk and we and like 
probably actually changes over time. Like I remember, mm-hmm. um, I never saw, uh, what is the like really famous Eddie Murphy, 1980s, uh, like special or whatever, but oh, I, I, I don't know the name of it. Yeah. yeah. In any case, I remember it somehow, for some reason people started talking about that like phase of Eddie Murphy's career a couple years ago. Like there's something happened that mm-hmm. caused that to be reflected upon. Oh, Eddie Murphy passed away. April Fool's. Oh, oh my god! Shit. Oh my god! April Cools got you. Oh my god. <laughs> you totally April Cools me. Oh. You dishonored April Fools to me. Um, yeah, uh, we record on Mondays, Tuesdays, <laughs> whatever day today is. It's the first. Sorry. Well, the time people hear this isn't. I know. Um, April Cools. We were we were fooled anyway. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, no, that's the thing. I wasn't. I was not sure whether to be fooled or not. But I didn't. I didn't want to call you on it because I couldn't definitively say <laughs> that he was Eddie alive. Murphy did not. You couldn't die. like go outside and be like, "This is Eddie Murphy." He's like, "Hi, I'm Eddie Murphy." Yeah, yeah, exactly. Go out. Yeah. <laughs> He's right there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he hangs out right here. Yeah. But the thing I was going to say is that I I remember like. At a couple of years ago, I watched through like, is it Notorious? No, no. Fucking what is it? I can't remember. It's one of those one word. Yeah, ones, yeah, I think. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, oh look, it's I, killing me. I know it's annoying me because well. I can see the cover of it. Yeah, which is one of those things. Oh, and I and I find it. She's and I watched the whole thing, it. and like there were two things about it that were incredibly noteworthy to me. One was that it still felt very powerful and raw, right. and like, um, like just. In, like meaningful it's still yeah yeah and then the other was that there was a level of like weird like anti-gay shit in there that was so shocking and so uncomfortable without any particular purpose right like it was those two things in Mm -hmm. like side by side were really fascinating right because at the time kind of all of that content was sort of shocking, presumably for the same reason to an audience, like to the segment of the audience that was, that didn't have to put up. Like the entire thing is like still progressive as a unit. Is that what you mean? Like, yeah, it felt it supposedly uh, to the audience. Yeah. yeah. Right. But like some of it was actually just shitty. Like, right. Right. And it's just, it wasn't necessarily identified by everyone that way at the time, because the people who weren't, in the position to be shat upon by that section of the thing, presumably just read it all in the same way. You know what's funny though? Like you should go back and listen to Lenny Bruce who came before. Mm -hmm. So like Lenny Bruce's stuff has all of that shit in it. Like to like a crazy amount, Uh like the most it's (laughs) mind boggling, but it's like absolutely like it's like, fucking historical fact that he was like a really progressive guy for his time when yeah. it, especially with with like with uh gay issues like especially and there's something about it that is still as uncomfortable but was just like fucking balls to the wall the worst and i think it's like really interesting to go compare like you look at like uh lenny bruce to eddie murphy to you could probably throw like Chris Rock in there from the early nineties to Louis CK. Right. And this like this like straight fucking flat line. There's something about Eddie Murphy though, that I think is like, I think it's like, cause he's just like meaner. I don't know. Like, I don't even know how to say that, but I, I don't know. You have to hear Lenny Bruce, I guess it's yeah. like, I don't know. I don't read it the same way, I guess. Yeah. It's either delirious or raw. Those are two of his biggest. Raw. I think, I think I watched both of them. Yeah. yeah. Okay. 
And I'm super interested in this discussion. I was just maybe it's just that they came out in video Maybe it's just that they came out on Netflix. Maybe it made that in itself counts as a news event if you're a shithead like me. <laughs> <laughs> no, Eddie Murphy did really pass away in 2000. And- <laughs> Eleven. I mean, the cool. Okay, so I, I will just say this, even though it has nothing to do with video games. I think the coolest thing in my lifetime, and I'm queer, so this is important to right. me, is that when I was a teenager, being queer was horrible and awful and disgusting, and like that was the mainstream media's view of it. Now, in 2014, I'm not saying it's great or anything's perfect, and there's a long way to go. Sure. But like, I could get married in California, and nobody would care. Like, it would be cool and right. great and everything. And right. I'm really comedy has actually that, had. I'm really a glad huge... you're on this podcast now and not eight months ago. <laughs> yeah, no, I know, right? It's a big <laughs> For that deal. specific issue. Yeah. But like, comedy actually has a lot to do with that. Because like, eight yeah. months ago, I would have had a big problem with you being here. Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, it been, you wouldn't have been able to say that. I would not have been welcome in this office. I abide. I'm a law-abiding. American. I abide by the law of California. If you can't, can't get married, married to idle thumbs, you can't get <laughs> Totally true. I understand. Where did you grow up? I grew up in Rhode Island. Okay. Basically near Boston, whatever. Yeah. Like the yeah. same yeah. general Boston. culture. Yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah. So did you like, went to school out there? You went- yeah, I went to Catholic school my entire life until college. So you know, your that. Rhode Island Catholic school wasn't gay friendly. No, it was not. <laughs> <laughs> it was very hmm. anti shock, anti not Where did happy you go to college. Gay. Sorry, I don't know. Oh, Massachusetts, Western Mass, and then I went the to col- grad school in Boston. The whole state is colleges. Yeah, <laughs> so everything, like everywhere you go, college, college. Yeah. There are more colleges than gas stations in the city of Boston. Yeah. Yeah. Fun um, fact. I speaking of colleges in like, <laughs> and in they're Boston, both ripoffs. I was on the. Yep. I, right? I was on the. Thanks, Obama. This is a, not a full story, but I think about it sometimes. And it cracks me up in retrospect. Um, <laughs> I was I was on the I was on the plane at, like years ago. I don't know how long ago. Five years ago, maybe more than ten years ago. And I was sitting next to some girl, and we were just having the like completely idle like plane like sitting next to a person conversation and i was like oh where are you headed she's like oh i'm going to i'm going to school like i got into the school and i'm going there moving there to uh you know to whatever and i'm like oh where'd you where'd you get in and she was she's like um she's like barner or something and i'm like oh okay like where's that she's like oh massachusetts i'm like oh like where it's like oh it's like near near boston and i was like oh huh i've never heard of that she's like oh really and i was like yeah and and we like I had this experience of like 30 seconds straight of me not quite hearing what she said to me. Like, what? What was it? You said school? And I realized after I got off the plane, she was talking about fucking Harvard. Like, and I'm sitting there being like, oh, I've never, never heard of it. She's like, oh, it's funny because it's like the first college we had. It's like number it's one. basically the best one. Uh, it's like first and best. But she was so sort of like, like the Coca-Cola. She yeah, was so like, about just because it. of her personality type, presumably, <laughs> she didn't want to be like it's like the best school. It's the it's one fucking that Harvard everyone has heard. There's of. a movie about it called Stealing Harvard that yeah, came out like, like ten years ago. It's the College of Colleges. <laughs> yep. And she was and she it's was like calling video like, games so Nintendo. Like, oh god. It cracked me up in retrospect that I felt like an asshole. It's so funny. Well. I would have been in the airport, like walking to my next flight or whatever, and be like, yeah. I gotta go find that fucking girl. I know. Right? I, gotta, I know what Harvard is. I You're know, at Harvard. I Congratulations. Know. Congratulations. I know. It's I a know. big achievement. I felt, I felt I have so to, bad. About I know it. what it is. I'm Chris Ring with my idle thumbs. I know what it is. <laughs> Yeah, I just was... love to imagine the conversations she had after that. She's like, "What is this guy? This, this guy? He seems smart. I mean, he seems smart enough." And... The podcast, no, it's during the podcast. I decided she... you guys were having <laughs> idle conversations. Sure. You know what Harvard yeah. was? Maybe he was like Canadian. I don't know. Like, I just imagine. Maybe he's just an idiot. Just maybe he's a really stupid maybe. person. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, not that Canadians are. I think Canadians are smart. Sorry. Canadians know what Harvard is. I yes, think. They, they're probably <laughs> depending good. on what yeah. what Canadians are talking about. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure there are some Canadians who don't. I'm sure there's yeah. a Canadian who doesn't know what Harvard is, and there's a Canadian baby who doesn't know about Harvard. Yeah, somewhere is. out there, there's a. I was sitting next to this Canadian baby on this airplane. <laughs> <laughs> Weird. I don't know why he was flying alone. He was an unaccompanied. It's a brave, minor. brave little dude. A brave yeah. little dude Canadian. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like Canada. The brave little Canadian. <laughs> yeah. And he was also a toaster. The movie poster for that, the baby would be wearing a Harvard like sweatshirt. <laughs> little crimson Harvard baby baby yeah. crimson yeah yeah it's really good we've got i had like nine questions queued up when we were talking about uh you growing up going to catholic school oh that's okay um but it, they're all be very personal we want to talk that's about that's fun it's, big... it's an open book did you play video games when you yes were young? my whole life yeah. the whole way through baby danielle is playing video games how did you get into video games I got into video games because every other kid who was who was four or five was playing a Nintendo. You're a Nintendo family. Yeah, I was yeah. a Nintendo That's family. I was in a Nintendo family, rather. Yeah. But I played a lot of Genesis games, too. I played everything. Yeah. I just loved games. I probably games. never would have gotten into video games, except my uncle bought me a Sega Master System, and that was kind of the it for me. That was, that was parents, the beginning and yeah. the end. And my parents actually got into our Nintendo when we got it. Oh. My parents used to play Mario. I used That's... to hear them at night. That's really Mario. nice. <laughs> used to over me That's my parents. What they were doing. I used to hear that like it was actually just the Mario pause screen and they were boning. So great. <laughs> oh, Those uh, are just the sound effects, Sean. Don't yeah. worry. Yeah. Just, yeah. Yep. Oh. 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 My, my, when my parents have sex, when my parents have sex, it sounds like a warp they whistle. Would just, they would just yell that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> just the sound effects, Sean. Don't worry about it. Play Nintendo. Oh. Yeah. Um, <laughs> did you want to, like, Take what's your path? Oh. Like, how did you become a reviewer? Were you like... Oh, it's super weird. It's know. super, super weird. I, I oh, went are to... We running out of, sorry, oh. I will sit here for all... Okay, I'll, I'll tell you my life story some other God time. damn it. Yeah, just, it'll be fun. Just, we, can, we can come back. We can come back. Oh, we have just a break. Take a break. Yeah. Okay. We're going to come back and Sounds talk good. about the life story just, of my Danielle life. Rando or Bioshock Infinite DLC. haven't really decided yet. Um, I just okay. wanted to. It's, it, that's really like my life. The main role. I understand. Yeah. We'd like to thank our sponsor, the AMC original series Turn. You can catch it on Sunday at 9 p.m. 8 central time on AMC. Yeah, it's about it's a historical kind of espionage drama about the Culper Ring, which I actually didn't know anything about until we started reading about it. It's pretty fascinating. It was the first american uh like intelligence network and it operated during the revolutionary war uh it's a weird it's a crazy thing that it was not like actually really known to the american public until like the 1930s basically when historian morton pennypacker (laughs) yep (laughs) pieced together like missives from somebody involved with the culpa ring with also notes that had been sent to George Washington and realized that they were like the same handwriting. Yeah. Of course, Morton Pennypacker figured Morton it out. Pennypacker. Of course, do you it's... think people with names like family names like Pennypacker just kind of quietly changed them to Packer at some point, or, <laughs> or just because I don't know? I've never met anyone <laughs> Penny. named Pennypacker. Named Pennypacker. That was like a like a late season Seinfeld joke where it was the Cuban is the uh, Puerto Rican Day Parade where they were all trying to get into this one apartment to use the bathroom, so they came up with no with nicknames. Oh, that's uh, right. It was like Pennypacker. And, uh, and the traffic was bad, and Elaine yeah. kept going in a cab. Yeah. I remember that episode. Well, so if you like that this, TV show, <laughs> well, you're going to love like, AMC's original series, Turn. also people like, creating code. Like the, the Culper Ring was named after like two 
of the spies in it who went by Samuel Culper Sr. and Samuel Culper Jr. Culper Jr. But that also wasn't their name. That was right. just their like made up name. Yeah. But then they also had had um like code numbers. Like there's Agent Three Fifty Five is like there's like a female agent made reference to in like various like fucking missives, and people still don't know who she is, which is a fascinating thing. Like they apparently uh, there were several like women spies in this organization, and they were like valuable in part because uh, you know clearly at the time it was so assumed that women would just like adopt whatever their husbands' beliefs were and like not have like any wouldn't be part of a spy ring yeah. <laughs> yeah. like, not suspected nearly as much but like ended up becoming super important yeah. uh, in the so yeah we haven't seen the show yet thing. so we don't know how much of this stuff is integrated into the text but we're definitely going to check it out um yeah. and I mean, you should presumably too. if the show goes for a while like this there's more of this stuff i don't really yeah. know what the plan for that is but yeah. uh it seems like a super fascinating topic so yeah and that's uh turn it's on amc this sunday i believe mm-hmm. at 9 p.m 8 central time yep Actually, I was gonna. Did you see? I don't, I don't watch Saturday Night Live, but I watched Louis C.K.'s um, uh, opening uh, monologue. Oh, I didn't know he was on it. Yeah, he hosted this week on Saturday, and his opening monologue. He ended up talking because we were talking about the um, the women's suffrage. Oh yeah. Uh, oh yeah. He's like, women have only been allowed to vote in America for n- like ninety eight years. So like, this c- democracy in America is ninety eight years old. Like, fuck that. There's no. It's not a two hundred. Yeah, it was really good. It's a very good bit. If that, like, right? Because I mean, like, women's. So the sad thing about the about women getting the vote is that the first state to offer the vote to women was Wyoming because they weren't allowed to have a senator if they didn't have enough voters to hit the minimum <laughs> so they're like ladies fucking just get out there and equality give it give it your all non-men <laughs> non-men wait senators or or, or representative representatives that's okay, what i meant yeah, yeah. yeah they weren't allowed to have representatives they get fucking two for no goddamn reason i know that's the Even that's the wyoming stat there uh, that's like the big stat bump wyoming secretly runs most of the country well, indi- from like their more, two it's bumbling that, like, idiot an senators individual wyoming is like a wyomingite while an individual wyomingite is way more powerful like if they had federally. senators who could read, <laughs> if they were literate, uh, or give a literate. fuck about anything that wasn't <laughs> their tiny little narrow, <laughs> then yeah, they would be really powerful. That's correct, Chris. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. You know what John McCain from like 1998 could have done as a Wyoming senator? Could have kicked ass. But you know what? They had um, Al Simpson for so long. And that guy's a badass. That yeah. guy's really cool. Really nice. Yeah. Ahead of his time. Like, one of the greats. Yeah. Definitely top 10 senators, senators. of our time. Yeah. Top 10 of our time, for sure. He's amazing. Cool. Yeah. That guy's legit. I mowed his lawn once. Hmm? I mowed his lawn once. Oh. <laughs> with my name with my buddy Ryan Kelger. <laughs> I, 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 I heard that as I met his mom once. I met his mom once. And She's dead, actually. She died same. in 1968. <laughs> yeah. You're basically making the same claim, essentially. It's like, I knew what the... Oh, I met, I uh, manning a person versus cutting some grass is a little different, right? No, but it's the same in terms of what it suggests about your familiarity with... Like if you meet someone... Well, he lives in my town, which is a town of like 6,000 people. Or That's it's what more I'm saying. Now. So it's like... I. As a kid, I feel like he knew me by sight, but I know he really didn't, even though I talked to him a few times. But it's weird to be like, sorry, this is not on the podcast, (laughs) but it's weird to be a sixth grader and a fan of a senator. (laughs) 
that's a weird thing. That's kind of like, adorable. Yeah, I was actually. super yeah, into like yeah. Because the West Wing came out a little bit after that, and I was like, also, super... I love the the evolution of like one of the great one of the great senators, and then like the reveal of like he he talks to me a few times. <laughs> he is though literally one of the great senators. He's literally fucking one of the like the fucking lions of the Senate from like the the nine like the early nineties eighties. He's a fucking badass. Good guy. I believe you. Yeah, I... He wrote a memoir called Right in the Old Gazoo. <laughs> oh, good. Gazoo? Yeah, G-A-Z-O-O. What does gazoo refer like to? Right in the, right in the like right in the kisser. Oh, nice. Yeah. Popped him in the smeller. I, meanwhile, we had, you know, Ted Kennedy, who was the liberal lion, but probably killed someone. They were probably friends. Well, whatever. You gotta can't can't make a democracy without scrambling <laughs> some eggs. <laughs> There's that. I don't know if there's any uh, skeletons in... Mr. Al Simpson's, Simpson's closet. closet. Just all those guys he killed. Just all those people he murdered. All those, on those people he trips. punched in the gazoo, yeah. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> There's them. Just all those gazoos that he got right up in. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the gazoo is extinct because of Al Simpson. <laughs> <laughs> it's a problem. Al Simpson, I murdered the gazoos. <laughs> <laughs> That's his follow-up memoir. No more gazoo. Yeah. Where he looks uh, back on his life through a different lens. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Sayonara, gazoos. <laughs> that's a different lens than his I thought. Really, his publisher is so. His, like, you gotta really, really just put the that. gazoo thing to bed. <laughs> I did. <laughs> putting, the, putting the gazoo thing to bed, Al Simpson. <laughs> Don't milk your gazoos. Or God, that's like one of those. Your lawns. One of those weird, like semi-successful. Book only comedians mm-hmm. who like God. like Dave Barry, yeah, like kind of like that where they have like you look at the other books written by and, and they're all like, like yeah tw- like seventeen different configurations Riffs on the same fucking theme. thing or like yeah, Jeff right. Foxworthy like yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah oh god yeah. yeah you know Al Simpson though right I mean I know of him Simpson Bowles he's the guy who, who yeah I don't he, really know all went, that much he about was him like hey look idiot. Obama this is what you should do and everyone went eh forget it he's like okay you asked yeah. We've been all over the map on this idle thumbs. It's the couches, it's, man. It's good. They fucking get the inside you. Really- and we actually have another sponsor this week. Is a new sponsor, and that is NatureBox. It's they new are- to you, but no longer to us. Right. They were super great and uh, sent us a sample of some of their products. And they do like healthy snacks delivered to your home or office in a like nice pre-selected bundle, and. All their stuff is like <clears throat> no like hydrogenated oils and tra- no trans fats or any anything like that. It's all like super well made, uh, really tasty snacks. They sent us some like chocolate covered almonds. We had some chili lime pistachios. Chris, you had a favorite. I think it was the peas. It was yeah, like ranch dusted like crispy peas. I was given one of those peas, and then Chris <laughs> ate the rest of the peas. I really liked them. He liked I the ate peas the rest of them very tonight. much. Yeah. Them tonight. We had them at the Campo Santo office, and they were a, a big hit over the past week. Mm-hmm. So, thank you to NatureBox. Uh, you should check them out at I suppose NatureBox.com. And it you is can NatureBox.com. Order like various sizes, I think. Don't they have like mm-hmm. three sizes? Of, yeah, they have, they have various good. like box configurations. Yeah. They also, I'm looking at like, I didn't realize how many of these goddamn things they have, because <laughs> We got like six different treats. Maybe I think. eight, six or eight. We got a bunch. But like, if you go to their actual website and you scroll down, they basically have infinite of them. Well, I mean, that might be Many false of which advertising. Are Chris. Other snacks. flavors of crispy chickpeas, Fuck. including roasted sea salt chickpeas, which I want to eat. <laughs> uh, 
like, so know. if they yeah that is a form factor that i enjoy you like like a, a little spherical that's the unit you like your like snack crunchy, delivered crispy thing with like a bit of like a freeze-dried a pea savory with like a dusting treat. of a flavor yeah it's what i that is all natural and not full of crap for you yeah i'll yeah. just eat them all so yeah, yeah, you probably, if you listen to this podcast, you might be point. listening to it at work. I, yeah. And you might get up and go get a snack. Yeah, peppery, but I'm willing to guess. Peppery chickpeas are listed here. Oh my here. god. God damn it. You know, if, I think they haven't, I think Country they might. Country ranch peas, that must have been the ones that we had. Country ranch Country peas. Country ranch, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Lots of peas. Do you want to get, you want to finish the, the peas thing before I, f- I have my Well, I'm thought? just scrolling, but it's taking forever because they have so many different things. Do they have infinite scroll? They have these chili lime <laughs> pistachios, which Don't have get them started a lot of chili in them, actually, we found. Um. I don't know. I, I really like the, the thing that was good about their chocolate covered almonds is that it, the chocolate wasn't like it's not that super sweet like um it's not like yeah, M and M's chocolate. Dark, they're yeah, they're called dark cocoa almonds. Sean. Oh my gosh! Please, sorry, dark yeah. man. I'm a, I'm really bad at what this. Are you a fucking animal. Yes, they got smoky barbecue peas. I find. Oh my god! I would be inter- okay. I'm not making this. Up. I'm interested in those. You know what's funny? Have, oh my god! This is the one I want the most. They have mandarin garlic peas. Oh my! Just Lord. dump them into my <laughs> just mouth. basically just fucking yeah. do it. Fill his I'm mouth horrible. with a backhoe of mandarin garlic peas. Oh god! Salted caramel. Uh, those look like peas, but they're all just zoomed in. <laughs> I thought they were just really zoomed in. <laughs> it's nope. a trap. It's a different thing. I'm sure it's good. But you like the form factor. I'm not. I mean, it's fine. I want just want the more peas. The co- I think the color. Three I box. wonder if Dear Nature Box send peas, we, please. Do you think because we have a relationship with Nature Box now that they would put together a like custom pea, I, the Idle Thumbs pea box? Maybe not a good idea. Never mind. I don't know. Thanks, Nature Box. <laughs> Naturebox.com. <laughs> one of our little warm-ups when I did I gotta theater. scooch closer. You did what? When I did theater. Uh, 12 and a half. I did what I did computer. When I did computer. I'm <laughs> doing computer, mother. <laughs> Don't come upstairs. I'm doing computer. <laughs> I'm doing computer. Leave me alone. God. I probably yelled that in some fashion when I was 15. <laughs> I'm doing computer! Mom! <laughs> You're doing this the wrong way. <laughs> this is this is really I fun. I did it. Yeah, good it your job. way. Good job. You're like the Burger King. Like the sneak Sinatra. king. The sneaking like king. Sinatra, I'm doing it my way. Oh. I, <laughs> it's oh. really telling that your cultural reference was Sinatra and mine was Burger sneak king. king. Shocking, because just earlier earlier today, today said, no, 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 no. I said I'm glad my reference was Sinatra oh, right. and, and yours was was Ken Levine. <laughs> And then you said, fuck you. And I said, it's okay, Chris. I know you're a gamer. Uh, <laughs> That's why I said, fuck you. Brutal. Yes. You're a gamer. You're one of the best gamers I know. You're like a pretty serious gamer. I would call you a core gamer. Um, Chris Remo, core gamer. Brutal. Brutal. Core gamer. About core I'm- gamer and Chris Remo is actually an anagram. Don't look. Don't even look at those letters or words. Distrust that they are. It's obvious. It's too just obvious. No. It's too obvious to that to Chris verify. Remo is just an anagram of core gamer. <laughs> It's not important to look at the letters or count them or reorganize. I want to talk a little them. bit more about Doge twenty forty eight this week. If you talk, if you open your mouth about Doge twenty forty eight, that's it. That's it for me. It's worse than Spelunky. I didn't talk about this in South Park, but I think the biggest redeeming quality—not redeeming quality—the biggest selling point of this game is that you feel like a little kid. 
you fucking feel like a kid walking around your hometown. You fucking it's, feel like a kid. You're going to fucking feel like a kid, it said on the box. Feeling you like feel a kid. like a kid walking. Like, it starts in your room, and you're just like, up, 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 walking around your room. It's really cute. And it's, it just feels like being a kid. And they do this great thing at the beginning where it's the first image is your parents talking to you about having just moved to South Park. And there's like some mystery there about why you maybe had to move. And they're talking at you and asking you questions. And it just cuts to your face that is just like, blank. you know, just like not <laughs> yeah. responding. And there's no verb for responding. You don't, your character never talks. You don't have dialogue trees or anything like that. Really? So, yeah. Huh. But it's perfect because they're like, so what do you think about that? And you're just like, and they look at each other and like, you know, it's like, it's yeah, bas- right, right, basically right. how was school today sort of situation, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know? And you're just like, mm, and they're like, okay, this we're going to keep talking because we're our parents, <laughs> we're our parents and we love mm-hmm. you. And it's perfect. It's like perfectly done. And from that, from Jump Street, that first interaction to just walking around, like rifling through stuff and like parents telling you to go outside and play with your friends and like go make friends and like go do this and mm-hmm. go do that. And mm-hmm. like, you can't come in here. You can't do that. Mm-hmm. No way you can do that. It's like you forget that it's just the perfect conceit for because there's adventure game stuff in it, obviously. It's like, oh, go do this thing for this mm-hmm. guy, get this thing. It's RPG missions. It's the perfect conceit for that stuff where it's like, oh, I can't go there because I'm a, f- I'm a little shitbag. And nobody, nobody gives me any, you know, any respect. Yeah. Um, it's really appealing. It's, like, I, I love games see, that make I feel see the twinkle. childish that was actually and, and like something, an, a, a oh, youngin. There's a twinkle yeah. in a little eye over there. Yeah. Yeah. I really like Twinkling. that about Costume Quest, even though it achieves it yes. in a totally different way. Like, Costume Quest has spoken Can dialogue from to, the to yeah, Costume yeah, Quest yeah, a little bit. So the thing that I forgot about high like extremely like like high production value rpgs is how important tons of diverse content is like i think back to the three hours i played the game for four hours maybe i played with uh uh dennis so we like hot seated it and i keep seeing like all these different scenes and like all these different character interactions and like all the enemies like i didn't grind through i mean you do a little bit you know it's like oh go down like Mm -hmm. you know defeat all these like these kids from down the street and you gotta get in like four or five battles. But like, I didn't sit there grinding the same type of enemy for an hour where it's like, Oh, 20 minutes or 15 minutes. And that is huge. Like I want to see, it's like, it feels like costume quest with a budget. Right. Like, sure. Don't Mm -hmm. mean to like burn costume quest, but it feels like costume quest with a budget. Sure. Uh, and that's awesome. Yeah. But that, that I can totally understand. I more meant just totally like the, Again, it's it's I think a different it's achieving in a totally different way. It sounds like because um, your character in Costume Quest does talk and there's like a lot of back and forth dialogue. Mm-hmm. But like that the way that kids see the world and like the kinds of things they comment on and like the the, the things they choose to bother saying something about. Like I thought right. it was like super well represented in Costume Quest. So I thought it was yeah. like really like evoked that like worldview mm-hmm. in a super powerful way. Yeah. Um, and, and the reason, the only reason I bring it up is not because these games need to be directly compared, but because that is such a rare thing in games mm-hmm. at all. Like there are games that are for kids, but that's kind of a different, that's like right. not the same thing. Yeah. Right. Um, like they're talking at kids rather than recreating the experience of right. being a kid. Which a kid right. doesn't necessarily need because they already are one. Right. Um, yeah. <laughs> but you know what's funny <laughs> is like, sense, yeah. <laughs> like I think that's something I like, maybe it's because I, I don't know, this is probably a dumb like, like kids like usually like to to experience upward, right? Like right. They yeah. like to play or read or watch the thing about kids or adults who are older. They were like one tier older than they are, so they can but, be vicarious. Like, but what yeah. I liked about adventure yeah. games as a kid was that I got a I was somebody else, but I was experiencing the world like 
pretty much the same way I experienced it as a child, but from somebody else's perspective. So like, it's oh, funny because like, like I don't looking yeah. at all the objects, right? Like Ben Throttle it. is like yeah. it's not an aspiration. You know child, what I mean? It's yeah, like right. I'm. It's not like oh man, he's a badass. I want to be like him, like Spider Man, like Batman. Like yeah. he walks around, gets kicked out of everywhere, and like looks <laughs> at stuff and like internally gets yeah. the same mean things totally to people. I agree with you. This is actually you know something I mean? that I never. I, and, and I don't say this as a knock against the game because Full Throttle is one of my favorite games of all time. But that was something I never quite agreed with. Like, uh, you know, when Tim would talk about Full Throttle, he would talk about how he wanted to make this game where, like, you feel like a badass and, like, you, you know, like, have are, are this, like, imposing figure and blah, blah, blah. Um, like, that's totally fine if that's, like, the thing that he, like, that's where he was when he made the game. Like, that's fucking great. I think it's an amazing game. It's super well written. Um, but it definitely never f- quite felt that way to me. Like, you, I, I never really felt that way playing any adventure game, so I guess we right. kind of agree. Like, yeah, yeah that, not at in all. That way, like, I'm always just like the guy getting thrown out by the back scruff of his neck, right? Because you, you need to find a way to make that not happen. Exactly right. And yeah. like, and but you can't do that without it happening in the first mm-hmm. place. And like, um, I adventure games kind of present an odd reality. Like, they kind of present a version of reality that doesn't actually exist, and that adults usually don't actually interact with the world that way. Right. But also I didn't really care. And I still don't really care. Well, as a kid, it just made sense that there was just another living thing that had to go through the same shit you did. It was like, Mm -hmm. oh, I can't go in there. You can't do that. No, you want this? Too fucking bad. You can't have it. Give me that thing. Oh, you got the thing? It's not yours anymore. Like, you know, like you can have this Apple core and you can have this, uh, whatever, (laughs) this other thing I don't want. Put them together. Yeah. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's the exact same thing. Except you're like, you know, you know, a talking dog or whatever. In an adventure game, <laughs> yeah. or Guybrush throughput, but Guybrush always just feels like, like that's the thing that was always really magical about Guybrush is you just feel the way you felt when you were a kid, but mm-hmm. he's still yeah he's, he's explicitly ex- experiencing that stuff. yeah yeah. Whereas someone like Ben Throttle is kind of just super cool about it, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? He's not like like remarking upon the fact that that's the case. Yeah, and I South Park is fucking delivers on that front of yeah. like. It's also amazing to just go into every building in South Park, which you can do, and just That's who the fuck's in cool. here? Oh, yeah. there's that guy from that. Well, maybe like I don't know if this person's from an episode, but there, it got to the point where I was going into places that I couldn't remember had ever been in the show or not. But it just felt like, oh, this is probably from an episode I didn't see or something mm-hmm. with a character who was completely fleshed out and had their own thing and like their own thing that they were like mad about or you know pissed off about in their own personality. And these, all these voices are being done by written, written by two guys and done by two guys. It's amazing. Yeah, it's kind it's of It's amazing cool. to me. I'm amazed. That ability to See walk my, into this expression. Mm-hmm. I do. How would you There's describe amazement it? there. I would definitely describe you as being amazed. Uh, you guys are both Seriously, correct. That is, that is an accurate. You read that. I would want to play this game just to walk into buildings. Like, I'm, I, I love that in games. I, think I you love play it. The, the feeling of being in the You can in text me and be like, you are a shit <laughs> after you don't like it. I'm but. seriously feeling a little bit sold on this game against my, my you know, my um, political beliefs, basically. The next time we see you, you're going to be like calling people Jews. Oh, God. And just being a, just being a monster. <laughs> being a terrible person. Evil Danielle was born yeah. the day she well, started games, playing games turn you I mean, video games do that. Did you guys see the shit about Leland Yee? Oh, yes! God! Oh, 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 my God. Did I? Oh, my God. Like, I, I popped up on Twitter twice to talk about two things over the past two weeks. Leland Yee in the <laughs> South Park game. This is the best podcast ever for me right oh now. <laughs> so if you don't know who Leland Yee is, Leland Yee is a state senator from California, in California who represents San Francisco County. 
at the state Senate level. And he is probably popped up on your radar if you read a lot of video game blogs over the past like three to four years. More than that even. Five, five six, years, seven, eight yeah. years. Because he is an anti-video game crusader. Well, well, well. <laughs> How the tables have turned. He introduced legislation to restrict sales of violent video games in California, amongst other things. Um, has been, and not just through his legislation, but through his rhetoric, has been very, very, very anti uh, video games and what they, what the impact they can have on the youth. Christopher, do you yeah, want to so, pick this up, or I'll just keep going. <laughs> you, you keep going. So about you probably a, know the details. Eight days ago, Leland Yee's yeah. Leland Yee's home was raided by federal agents <laughs> for a series of uh, allegations. Of allegations, not least of which was weapons trafficking. Yep. <laughs> So what it seems like what I've been able to piece together from like the Chronicle and various uh, SF related blogs is he had a failed run as governor or no, as mayor as mayor of San Francisco a couple years ago um, after um, Gavin Newsom went to became lieutenant governor and racked up a bill around like 70 grand. So started doing fundraisers. Also, with an eye towards a Secretary of State campaign for this year in the uh, off year, twenty yeah, the 2014 election. So, at these fundraisers, I suspect, I don't know if I was able to glean this from the articles or whatever, but he had had ties to a lot of like sort of like some of the less savory San Francisco organized crime community. <laughs> um, but, like, honestly, as a political figure, if you're supposed to be out in the community and like getting to know people, you're going to end up at like thing i don't know whatever i'm sure that's not uncommon uh unfortunately but with you combine sort of his ties with his debt the fbi thought it might be a good idea to like send some agents to a fundraiser and let him write some checks so you know there were things like allegedly coercing fundraiser attendees to maybe like give a little bit more than you're allowed to give which is i think the maximum in california at least for the type of races that he's in is 500 bucks Sort of like, hey, buddy, what do you put an extra zero on that for me? <laughs> Federal agent says, okay. So as they start to get him on these uh, these campaign finance charges, they sort of widen their their the scope, <laughs> their scope yeah. of their investigation <laughs> to the point where they had somebody who was posing as uh, a member of an organized crime community approach Li Lin Yi, allegedly, and offer it say hey look we have some friends who are from like russia who are trying to get these weapons through the port of new jersey i believe to i think like the philippines he needs to fucking take a geography class first oh off <laughs> and he's like is there anything you can do about this and he said well let me talk like who are these people and what are they involved in and he's like this guy does this like here's the weapons trafficker he's a totally he's a fucking like pro like um arms dealer like he's got a fucking resume or whatever here's his linkedin uh, <laughs> and uh apparently leland you said yeah i can absolutely help you get these weapons through the port of new jersey i'll call a guy he knows a guy i have a friend who can do this thing and whatever you don't gotta go through this thing and it'll get done so like these allegations just keep stacking up to the point where they felt they had a case against leland and also like other members of the like san francisco like chinatown organized crime community not least of which <laughs> this man <laughs> God, I can't fucking remember his name. But he goes by Shrimp Boy. Oh, okay. <laughs> I think it's like Frank Shrimp Boy Chow. 
Oh, good. The first name could be something else, but I remember it being like something Shrimp Boy Chow. <laughs> you know, if you should get to the B in Shrimp Boy in Google, and it should tell you. <laughs> uh, Raymond Shrimp Boy Chow. Raymond Excellent. Shrimp Boy Chow, former Chinese mob gangster, now like chairman of the San Francisco Freemasons, amongst other things, uh, community. Seriously? Career yeah. change. Yeah. 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 I went on a fucking tear reading about this. I was yeah. having a real time. I'm, I'm glad I was able to recount any that of it. That's pretty fascinating. So, gosh. I bet he really enjoys playing GTA V. Uh, <laughs> I bet he fucking is super good at it. I think I enjoyed it. There was, like, one of the kind of just local SF blogs, the SFist, was, yeah. uh, which is part of some network. Like, I, I the noticed. The IST network, the I think IST it is. people, yeah, yeah. Gothamist, et cetera. They, yeah. like, I noticed popped up on Twitter the other day because I follow this blog how they noticed this like 2011 interview conducted by SF Weekly, which is a like a local weekly newspaper here, and uh, with Rose Pack, who is a she's like a, a she's very, like an Oakland community what, organizer. No, she's uh, San Francisco. She's San like Francisco? Chinatown based. Like she's oh, okay. like a really well known kind of uh, Chinatown activist in yeah. San Francisco. But she's like, like a political heavy hitter here. In San yeah, Francisco. she is. She's yeah. like she's like tied into to local politics here, and like she um, did an interview with the SF Weekly three years ago, like 2011. And she was talking about trying to like, you know, one of the things she tries to do is like help, help um, promote like Chinese American politicians who are trying to um, like make a name for themselves in San Francisco. And so the paper was saying like, okay, that's one of your priorities, right? Like helping Chinese American politicians. And she's like, yeah, but I mean, good ones. Right. And they're like, well, what about Leland Yi? He's a Chinese American politician. Uh, Rose Pack responds. Leland Yi is one of the most morally corrupt politicians I've ever encountered in 40 years. From the first day he stepped in as school board member, lying to get his children to the preferred assigned school using a phony address, selling his services to Chinese-American parents who had cut an arm or a leg to get their kid into the right schools. He did all that. I don't think he stood for anything decent in our community except to come in and take money and then claim to be the first Asian this and the Asian that, but he doesn't impress me. He doesn't stand for anything except for corruption and bribery. And like- arms dealing. Yeah, yeah, fucking right? arms dealing. Let's fucking don't sell Mr. Yee short. But the crazy thing to me about that is is that like she was casually. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The reason it was noteworthy to me is because people who are involved in political scenes, like local or otherwise, but probably especially mm-hmm. local when the community is smaller than it is at a national level, like Leland Yee, at an official level, is higher up than Rose Pack, right? Like. That's a yeah. I mean, he's I a mean, state senator. Yeah, yeah he's yeah. a state senator. Like that's yeah. a significant he goes to Sacramento thing and to just votes on to just everything that happens yeah, to our state. Yeah, to just like publicly say about another politician who lives in the same place you do. Like that's that's significant. It's crazy right. to me that she would just come out and be like, "This guy." Well, is she has so much political capital. That she I know. Give a shit. I know. That's I'm why just, it's kind of well, right. I mean, yeah. that's well for sure. I'm just saying, like, that's significant, and I like it. But he never got. Nothing ever got pinned to him until now. But it's, I mean, this Not case, really. it feels like they were probably building this case for I'm a couple sh- years. It must have been. Like, yeah. this is like some, like, straight up yeah, the wire yeah. shit. Yeah. You yeah. know? Anyway, don't play video games, kids. Yeah. They will fuck you up. They'll make you just like him. They'll make you just like Lee. <laughs> <laughs> Can I actually, I want to take this opportunity because I've, like, I've always found local politics, like, absolutely fascinating. Yeah. Like, I lived in LA for a long time, and, like, if you, pay attention to local politics in Los Angeles and like how powerful the board of supervisors is there and how fucking insane most of them are. It's, it's bonkers. It's, it's really bonkers. So like if you're looking for something to get into, just sort of like <laughs> as a pat, as a, like a, an observer, 
I would point you towards maybe your local politics because a, a lot of shit that's happening there is going to affect your life in a real fucking concrete way. And like, a, Oh, when you drive from your house to your office and go back and maybe stop at lunch, some shit is going to happen that was voted on by some people in a room right. who are probably fucking idiots. <laughs> Pay attention because yep. every once in a while there's a Leland Yee and every once in a while knowing about him. And when his name pops up on Twitter, because he's going to jail, it is delicious. <laughs> It is so worth it. It is like being into a like a weird sport, and then all of a sudden, gets its moment in the sun. It gets its moment in the sun. It becomes so, an Olympic sport or something. But also, it's really good to be into local politics because people don't pay attention to it, and crazy shit like this can happen. Yeah, the end. That's my fucking. Soapbox. And that's also how all or most national politicians get their start. Yes. Yeah. Yes, so like, somewhere. Barack Obama's not affecting your life. Leland Yee is. <laughs> Remember that, kids. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Obama. Thanks, Obama. <laughs> Oh God. I used <laughs> to have to actually thanks Obama's and one idle thumbs episode. Oh my three? God. Jesus. That's the third. Yeah. I, I, was was gonna, gonna say. I had a title for this episode, but I might just end up being thanks Obama. <laughs> <laughs> thanks Obama with a little three. With yeah. Like, you know, to the third. To power. the superscript. Oh, if we put superscript in, it'll fucking crash the RSS oh, feed. I'm no. not allowed to do it anymore. I tried to do, I tried to do it last week. Just with X3. The da- I tried to do it with the, uh, the, the dagger. Or whatever. Oh wait, you know, the dagger. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The dagger yeah. Symbol. Yeah. Like, like the, the, I broke the RSS feed extreme version. Yeah. I have a footnote that is elegant. And succinct. I'll use a dagger. Yeah. Or I need to have that, another footnote way, on this cereal for in case, FDA. For- <laughs> in case you didn't know, that little cross icon that you see sometimes that serves as like a second a footnote, footnote after yeah. they've already used the asterisk, that is called a dagger. Yes. Yeah. I broke the RSS feed like two weeks ago with by using okay. trying to use one of those. I was going to encourage more people to be involved in local politics because most of the people who are are, are elderly. And and such and may not, you know, it's good to have people of all age groups. I used to actually have to, when I worked at the ACLU, I had to. You worked at the ACLU? Yes, for a long time. That's actually the job I had. That's how I got into calling on. (laughs) Actually, it's a funny story. Um, But I used to have to uh, collect every bit of news that had anything to do with any ACLU issue in which is all issues, all of Northern California. Which is there are twelve issue areas, each with like twenty five mini issue areas, sub issues. I used to be very, very familiar with everything every police officer was doing in basically California. It was it was intense. It was depressing. It's a big folder. It's also fascinating. Yeah, it was really interesting. Yeah. Local politics is a really interesting hobby to be, to have, I find. I promote it. Yeah, just lot. make and sure not just because you should, like, again, like, there's also, like, if you want to go, like, make a difference and vote and do all that stuff, like, please, like, that's what you should be doing. But, like, just yes. being involved, like, paying attention to it because of the narratives, worth your fucking time. That's what I'm trying to oh, say. Oh, yeah, it's as a well. soap opera. It's yeah, fascinating. Really worth your time. You start to really understand what's making a lot of these people tick, and that's the thing that's fascinating. South Park and local politics. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Speaking of politics, uh, Justice Harrison writes. That was a reader mail seg. Yeah. That was really good. I just started watching House of Cards. And one thing I found odd is how close Frank Underwood, protagonist, senior politician, dog killer, was comfortable being with the press. In the show, he uses Zoe Barnes, amateur reporter turned overnight star via Frank's info, to his own ends, but it made me think of how close-knit game designers can be with the press. As well as the <laughs> yeah, what do you mean? I'm appropriate emails. We're, we're going to throw... The oh, I was almost going to give a House of Cards season two spoiler. Oh, don't do that. Have you seen it? Uh-huh. Season two? Dude... Oh, you we had watched that, that thing within like 72 hours yeah. of it coming out. It was disgusting. Do you watch House of Cards? fucking gross. I don't. Okay. My only anecdote is that my dad. This is a dangerous situation it. for you, basically. Is it if, you, if you're going to take anything that's the away only, from There's it. no that's more cool. spoiler of There's no any spoiler of House Cards in the question. Okay. okay. Um, so anyway, he says, 
Do you ever feel like the closeness of the gaming community causes problems? If not, what makes it possible for all the vested interests to be one big happy family? Of course, politics and the games industry are two very different things. But with journalists vouching for a rational, with journalists vouching for a rational game staff, the rise of crowdfunding and user-generated content being implemented in commercial games, the lines are becoming a bit messier. It makes me wonder how much that plays into gamer entitlement and the shitstorms that follow as a result as well. Um, looking forward to the real reveal of Bleep the Game as well. Thanks, Justice. This <laughs> it's FirewatchGame.com. Firewatch yeah. You can go to uh, fire, you can go to com and buy your Firewatch merchandise there. Wow, Sean. I'm not supposed to do that, am I? It's on the podcast. Whatever. <laughs> can I make a um, a prediction? Yeah. That there is not going to be a second reader mail because we're going to talk about this one for a while. <laughs> There's a lot of meat there. Yeah. A lot of meat on those bones. Yeah. For sure. Actually, you know what? This doesn't answer the question. It's just an excuse to bring up a th- related thing that I thought was a really well put point made by um, Tom Francis at GDC. I don't think God, I could be totally misremembering and maybe he said this on our podcast, but I'm pretty sure he didn't. I was pretty sure he said this over dinner one night. Um, so, like it was preceded with Christopher. Don't put this on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it doesn't mention anyone by name. It's just a general trend he observed, which is fuck off. He doesn't care. Um, uh, because you made a really good point, which is that so I forget who it was we were talking to, but someone was talking about how like you know as a as a developer sometimes you see things that journals put out and you're like oh that's not right or like or I that doesn't represent like what I think the like this should be or whatever 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 right like the people being reported on are obviously not 100 percent of the time going to like the thing that's being reported that's just yeah of course how the they entire shouldn't. world is always and like Tom Francis made the really good point which is that. There are two kinds of journalists who are frequently disliked by developers. And uh, I wouldn't say frequently, but I would say the kinds of journalists most likely to receive mm-hmm. guff from developers, be it in pu- in public or in private, right? Because it can go mm-hmm. either way, are equally able to be the bad journalist who is just kind of stirring shit right and not researching their story well and blah 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 or an actual good journalist who's just doing their job their job just doesn't entail saying the thing the developer wants them to say right and tom francis is making the point that he's heard from developers equal like (laughs) equal frustration with both kinds Mm -hmm. because from the developer's standpoint looking at it from a certain way it doesn't necessarily matter which it is they're both frustrating you know, they both can be frustrating. Well, yeah, one is sort of, I'm not going to actually respond to that. Well, I will, but then I'm going to quickly not I don't even think there's anything to respond to. I, th- I well, thought I think like an interesting one is like, if somebody's just not doing, like, objectively not doing a good job, that's frustrating, I think, when you're, especially if you're the subject. The mm-hmm. other one, though, is if they're saying shit you don't, well, you wish they weren't saying, but it's true and well-researched, like, you fucking eat that meal, dude. That's it. You I'm not saying it's justified. I'm just saying it, I mean? yeah, just saying yeah, it yeah. happens. It's funny that I know that you it mean happens. developers. Yeah. Oh, of course it does. I've been lucky enough to not really like been in my my, my tiny circle. Yeah, like yeah, if yeah. somebody's critical of our shit, we're just like, oh man, we take it really hard. like especially, and it feels like it's coming from a place of like information. Oh, I'm I'm the <laughs> yeah. Like I go out of my way to be as accommodating as possible with people yeah. with criticism because I because I know that you can't ever fucking know anything about Jack about fucking anything at all. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm probably too much that way. You know what I mean? Like but I mean, to my detriment, but I'm sorry, Danielle, were you going to say something? 
No, oh, I just want to do because you're, you're, you have well, a like way you more are the only person you've been able you've on been on you've both sides. Yeah. Well, that's actually why I that's yeah. generally why I'm so true. We kind of have the whole Venn external, diagram here. Right? External yeah. opinions is because yeah. I have been on the other side, so I tend to give a lot of. I, I tend to not get bent out of shape by it. It's pretty hard for me. It takes a lot for me to get frustrated, like actually frustrated at something that's yeah. said about something I worked on in the press. Like it, you'd have to be really beyond the pale anyway. Yeah. Sorry. Well, this is a topic near and dear to my heart for sure. I yeah, mean, I'm no sitting doubt. here with you Come guys. into our office. Come <laughs> yeah. to our couches. Come yeah, I mean, talking to our microphones. <laughs> so yes, we're all in the cabal. It's real. It's true. All your worst nightmares are actually true. Um, actually, your worst nightmares are not even... It's things that are worse than your nightmares that are true, probably. That's true. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. That's actually, A true cabal goes deeper your, than the lines Your imagination is not even capable. You're actually part your of the cabal. Your subconscious yeah. cannot even reach the depths of depravity this is, yeah. that our cabal represents. It's some, some matrix all the way shit. down. Yeah. My God. Well, um, anyway. Uh, <laughs> so, obviously... Uh, Journalists are friends with developers all the time. Like mm-hmm. that, that certainly happens. It's a small industry. People, you know, respect each other's work. They care about each other's work and they become friends because, you know, we become friends with people. I mean, I was doing, I was friends, I've been friends with Chris long before I was writing about games full time. Like I, I've yeah. known a lot of developers for a long time. I, I work on my own little stupid game projects all the time. Like I feel like there's, there's so much crossover there and, and the way that sort of, I think the only way you can deal with it to make sure that things are not ethically fuzzy is to have a really ironclad policy about who does what, when, where in terms of your work. Yeah. I mean, for reviewers, I'm a reviewer. I, I'm almost never reporting. I'm only reporting two weeks out of the year, and that's at GDC and E3. Right. During those weeks, I don't have opinions about things, and I don't write about people that I like. You know, have had really close per- personal relationships yeah. with. But at the same time, like I think there's sort of this. I didn't mean to cut you off. Oh, it's okay. But like, I think there's this misconstrued <laughs> cool. notion that, like, and especially like in House of Cards, like, yeah. that's not the way shit is. No, that's the th- that yeah, is not the way things are. Yeah. Like, my like very close friend uh, slash ex girlfriend is a political reporter in LA, and um, you have to build relationships with your subjects because that when you actually have a story that really needs to get told that you think is worth cashing in that capital for, you have to do it. You know, like. Yeah. So many people, especially like at every level of uh, political reporting, it's, it, you know what? Actually, sports reporting is probably a better comparison to like sometimes. Yeah, for sure. um, there is a relationship between subject and journalist that has to get made so that the like information can come to light and can be pursued through maybe like non interpersonal means yeah. if it starts to seem like there is a real story there. You know, like, and I, by real story, I mean something like sort of like the closing of a studio if it's the video game industry right. or like some scandal that comes out of wherever like the piece that rob did on Homefront, mm-hmm. the yes. rob zach yes, piece yes. fucking a that was a piece of reporting um it was on polygon it, <laughs> just gonna come on here and plug your outlet is that <laughs> that's totally against the just, rules just saying <laughs> just saying <laughs> go to the campo santo store <laughs> buy your fucking doritos shirt <laughs> i love doritos they are covered I in dust, really the same like way those videos. peas are. <laughs> those um, delicious. Uh, but yeah, I think peas. that like there's a sort of this misconstrued notion amongst, like, um, among uh, like, uh, people who read journalism that like there's no relationship between journalist and subject, where that's right. just that, patently that, false across yeah. every single line of journalism ever, or that there shouldn't be ever, like, which is just not tenable. That's like, why that's being not... a journalist is so such an like if you're like a professional, like, that's how you pay your bills, journalist. Mm. 
it's such a fascinating job. And I think that's why there's so many stories about it and so many films about it, because you're constantly walking this line between personal relationship and the goals of your job. And good journalists are fucking masterful at it. But there are journalists at like a geopolitical level who are like, okay, I'm getting information from this guy who if they find out he's talking to me, the Taliban's going to come fucking kill him. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. but I need to deliver this story and there's no way that the circumstances of this story are not going to lead back to this guy's fucking house. So what the fuck do I do? You know, like those sort of moral quandaries and those ethical sort of like, what do I do to this human relationship that is producing a thing that people need to know about? Or yeah, it's my duty to deliver, there? like, where do I, what do I do? And there's no right or wrong answer. Like, mm-hmm. that's the thing that's so fascinating to me about journalism. Um, but I think with games journalism, like, I would never begrudge a journalist for telling a true story about anything that I did or no. didn't do that. Even if the story put me in a bad light. unnamed sources. Like, I, people, I think, I see a lot of comments quite frequently about how stories in which the journalist is not able to name their sources are just inherently rumor or unconfirmed which i find a really problematic opinion because yeah. the sort of unspoken thing that <laughs> watergate i watergate was rumor then <laughs> right that's yeah. what i'm saying yeah. the, right. the, the, th- the implication i i get from a lot of comments like that is that things can't be reported as true until the company in question has announced it right. which just seems like the absolute opposite of what like right. the way that actual news does get revealed is through sources that probably don't want to be named because that's why the news needs right. is like worth reporting, you know, in the first place. PR didn't announce it. Like, so yeah, it didn't exactly. Happen. Like, well, that's, it's really yeah. difficult with games, right? Because ninety-five percent of the reporting is basically a promotional apparatus for a creative product. When there's a lot of it that is actually the business of what's happening and how people are moving between the within the industry, how people are being treated, how money is being spent, how money is being wasted, mm-hmm. how like you know. All that stuff is really fascinating. It's fascinating and I think deserves to be reported on way more. But it's Mm -hmm. like it's always going to be this challenge because that at the center of it is this is this uh, this commercial product. Right. And sports doesn't even have to fucking deal with that. Like sports has to obviously sell like the league and tickets and stuff like that. But like it's different. You know, it's not Mm -hmm. like there's a review of every fucking baseball game of every baseball player. Right. Or something like that. And games doesn't have the same critical apparatus as film where there's a tradition of critics that actually sort of inform the art form itself and and that sort of thing. Yeah. But it would be ridiculous to think that Roger Ebert wasn't friends with a lot of directors. Oh yeah, of course. Like very close friends. Like that's kind of absurd. Yeah. You know, know. well, I mean, any, this is the reality. I mean, part of the reality of it is that the reason someone like Roger Ebert is, Roger Ebert is because he gives so much of a shit about the thing he's writing about. Right. And another category of person included in the list of people who gives a huge shit about that thing of the people who make that thing. So like it stands to reason that those are the people like they, they make a different, like like the result of that is Mm -hmm. very different between those two groups, but they're both among the category of people who love this thing so much that they're willing to make their career entirely dedicated to it. Um, and so I, it yeah. would seem kind of silly if uh, people at the like press level and developer level didn't ever know each other or find common ground because they are in it for a similar love of the thing. I mean, yeah. in entertainment journalism, that's definitely true. Absolutely. Um, you guys and then, find and that then like... these days, that's like I think the person in the email kind of alluded to this a bit. That's also breaking down with players and people who 
we're kind of at a weird midpoint, like people, big let's play people and right. stuff. Um, that stuff is fucking weird. Yeah. That stuff is getting weirder too. That oh, stuff yeah. we're like, yeah, for sure. Bring in a let's play person early on your game to get them excited and involved with the concept so they can blah and play pre-play it for everybody. So you get, oh, that mm-hmm. shit is crazy. And every know, outlet really is starting crazy. to jump on it now too. Yeah, oh, yeah for sure. Um, and then there's another thing that, that I think a lot of people also get bent out of shape about, which was, um, I forget if it was alluded to in this email, probably was. We've been talking a lot about sort of the reporting side of it, but then there's also a lot of people I've noticed um, get upset about the notion that a review might be something that isn't oh, fully yes. objective. And like that I think is a fairly different issue, but is definitely relevant. Like Daniel, right. you're a reviewer. Like I, yeah. I definitely feel that it's maybe just not even maybe I actually fairly strongly feel this way that it's kind of a mistake that we have allowed reviews. We've allowed the concept, like the messaging around what reviews are to get to the point that people now have this idea that they should be something that is like objective as if that's possible when you're trying to express an opinion about right. something like that's that yeah. that i think is just like a an unfortunate kind of message problem because i don't think that's ever what criticism is primary like primarily concerned with like you shouldn't there's a difference between being just in the tank for something like regardless of anything else like the difference mm-hmm. between like being paid off <laughs> or just having life experiences and perspectives that make you have certain opinions like the latter latter thing is like there's a between lines too where it's like i think this is probably something people are sensitive to where like i'm predisposed to try to enjoy this thing more because i know the soul from which it came Uh you know what i mean i think that's a legitimate yeah sort of thing sometimes Uh i mean like Definitely. There's always like people who like like and this isn't reviewers but other people in the industry who I'm friends with who are like, Oh, I thought this thing you did in the game was really good. I'm like, nah, it wasn't that good. <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? We're like I see the feelings see, get involved, you know, basically. Like, like you see you see what's behind even, it more than you but see. Even the that te- is you different. see what's behind the text but, more than the text itself. But also though, uh, like I will say that I think I keep pushing my microphone down because I want to see you, but I I'll think, bring it back up. So I think a critic saying that is different than a developer saying that. A developer saying that, they're looking at it from like a craft standpoint, probably mostly. Yeah. Whereas a critic saying that is probably looking at it from an end result. I was talking about more like the end consumer who's reading the reviews, oh, who sure. gets, who's maybe like, well, I want to know if the game is good. I don't want to know all the great, I, I don't want it to, I don't want the review to be uh, stilted because of all I, the great ideas you knew were behind I it. I understand that, but you know I also I mean? don't think it, I think it, which I have empathy for, I think, a little uh, bit. Sure. I understand, I understand where that's coming from. But it's not giving the review much credit. I just disagree really that there is such a thing as just determining whether a game is good or not. Oh yeah. Outside of the context of informing what leads to that question that I was going to ask, but I had two, I have two questions for both of you guys. One is more towards Danielle, which is, do you, you don't answer this if it's going to get you in trouble at work, (laughs) but of course the review apparatus, obviously there's always been a conversation around the number at the end of a review, Mm -hmm. you know, like something like, I know that Kotaku recently has been doing like, just a big yes, a green no. yes, yes no or maybe no, later maybe, or something yeah like something yeah. like that how do you feel about that i feel like what like it feels like ebert was just sort of like watch it like thumbs up thumbs down well he gave stars in his actual written review yeah i guess you're right it was five the, stars the, right the thing is, though, yeah. I, yeah. I, I, tr- I strongly feel this way um and and i know this is this is a matter of opinion and, and not everyone is going to agree when i say this but i read 
tons of Ebert reviews. I've read hundreds and hundreds of Ebert reviews. Yeah. And like God, they're all online, by the way, if you want to go read. Yeah, it's incredible. Yeah. And like yeah. plenty, yeah. plenty of other. I mean, I, I used yeah. to read. I haven't in the last couple of years quite as much, but I used to read tons of film criticism. Like yeah. I really like A.O. Scott over at the New York Times, and mm-hmm. like yeah. um, I always read the New Yorker reviews. I like the New Yorker reviews a lot, especially because like Anthony Lane, for example, is like yeah. very. Um, I don't want to say um, like contrarian because i hate that phrase and i think it's almost never useful but he often just has a different opinion other people do and right. i like reading it even if it's not always the sounds more personable than What's David would you say he's an iconoclast oh i don't know i guess oh. I, don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I just i just like a diversity reviewer. i like reading a diversity of opinions and i take extreme issue with the expectation that reviews should form like a strong critical consensus and i think that mm-hmm. belief is a an almost unavoidable consequence of 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 like thoroughly numbered reviews and i do right. I, I feel like when i read an ebert review um and I, the reason i specify ebert is because he does have star ratings right whereas right. a lot of these other right. critics we're talking about I have don't an, have I have any rating at all Fuck, the I, ebert I, thing when i when ebert gives <laughs> something like i feel like a three out of four stars from ebert could represent such a wide range of actual like emotional response like i could read a three-star ebert review and come away with like super wide-ranging like reactions to the things he said about it which is a 60 on metacritic by the way oh yeah, right? god yeah. metacritic because he just doesn't well three out of i forget if it's out of four out of five see that's how much i don't care I about his five. fucking numbers. no it's four i think it is four so yeah, that'd be a three star yeah, yeah in any still in, 75 in any on metacritic fucking rent it in lame. any case like yeah. seeing like a 7.5 to me feels so much more conclusive and definitive than like three stars out of four stars. That's like, I, I don't know. It's hard to explain. I, I do strongly feel that way though. I also feel that the, the way that translates to like the default aggregate site for movie reviews being rotten tomatoes is so much fuzzier than gotcha. the, what the default one for games is with his Metacritic which averages out to an actual specific score. They take the numbers and they average them by the amount of reviews as opposed to positive or negative. Right. And then averaging and out the positive. Rotten Tomatoes, the yeah. And Rotten Tomatoes used to do games as well, but they stopped because every game just had a sky-high one because they're all basically positive, even the ones that are... You know what I mean? Like, right. like the, when, you, when you look at scores that way, game scores pretty much all give them at least a passing grade. Unless the game is like God, true, true shit. And so <laughs> oh, it just makes medical. a Rotten Tomato system almost useless for games, which to me is kind of a sad statement on right. <laughs> and games criticism. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. What, do you, what do you think, Daniel? Oh, God, I think a lot of things. First, I think that objective game reviews, that whole idea is, is hilarious. It's actually right. a satirical game site now. That is an Idle Thumbs game Forum reviews. member. That's awesome. Well, yeah. uh, objective game reviews. Sir was, or madam, you're wonderful. Was born out of an Idle good. Thumbs forum thread. <sighs> that's really cool. Yeah. I, I think it's wonderful that somebody went ahead and actually made an entire website based on this kind of insane idea that any review could ever be objective. I mean, it comes from the idea that like video games are products, and this is a product review, the same way you would review a camera or a TV or something like that, as opposed to like something that's creative and and came from you know a different, a completely different sort of source. But. Well, it's funny because I, I feel like sometimes it's more the former, right? Where, like, people – because the creative content of games is super – especially mainstream games is very narrow, hmm. right? Like, how much you're actually going to get out of the emotional arc of the story or what you're going to get out of the emotional arc of just the systems and the, systems and the experience and what you're expected to, like, take mm-hmm. away from the game. Very narrow, not very high bar. So – 
being able to review a game numerically for its sort of like quality of execution, like it's a fucking right. dive, like you know, like the yeah, new Call of Duty game, yeah, like, you know, like it's like again, like again, like it's like ex- it's a you know, uh, uh, how technically well put together it is feels like most of the reviews that I see are for that, right? It, I mean, actually, yeah. like for big games, it feels like how good is the game at being a video game? It's grading right. as means, opposed to giving criticism. Which means, yeah. like, and I, I feel like, <laughs> this is, you know what, fuck it. I don't, I can say whatever I want. I don't know company. <laughs> um, yeah. I feel like at Telltale, we got a huge fucking boon sometimes for just being about something sometimes. You know, about being about characters and being about, there's a human being. The game is about a human being talking. Like, it was sort of this, like, which is also bullshit, you know. Like, sure. I feel like there wasn't. It was very hard to find a review, a review outlet that would look at a Telltale game the way Roger Ebert would look at it if he was just sitting down to play it as a narrative. Experience. Setting aside Ebert's video game opinion, yeah, yeah, so setting, whatever. You know, the, yeah, Roger, you know what here. I mean. But like, yeah, yeah. because all the noise around one story about like a guy and a little girl surviving, all the shit on the periphery is so far away from any sort of human story that it can get sort of bolstered just by simply being there by being different but you're saying you wish there were that were that wasn't as much of a novelty in itself and there were more reviews that actually tackled like what is the meaning like what yeah i mean reviews always like in their text i felt like sort of got into like the emo- like this worked for me this didn't work for me and i always really like that like i like to mm-hmm. read reviews but it's yeah. like nine it's like mm. yeah you know like i remember on a couple of them i'm like god ah, i think, think we left a lot on the table there you know what i mean emotionally you're like oh we didn't accomplish this um and then also overlooking some of the gameplay and, and systems and technical things that because that would not be given a pass if they were in the new call of duty you know right. um it's sure. sort of it gets really confusing because what i'm trying to say is you have the same number but in general, it's often being used to be a, a identifier for the level of execution of a product. And then, sw- like, oh, psych, it's actually the completely subjective, like, creative interpretation of a work. Mm-hmm. And that gets interchanged so, like, like, easily that reviews, to me, mean fucking nothing. Except if you have a four, you're fucking lame. Except what? If you have a four, it's bad. You're lame. Like four out of ten. Four out of ten. No, four out of five. No, yeah, oh, four out of ten. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, four out of ten. You know what I mean? I it, it's like I don't know. Yeah, I, I'm. It's a really fucking. It's a really shitty situation. I'm really sympathetic. Anyway, to we that. can't be friends. So yeah, I know well, we can't be friends anyway because of this this line we have to cross to be friends. So I don't know. Yeah, it's true. It's all right. We can punch each other at my boxing gym. I know. Oh, that didn't. All right, never mind. Um, that didn't make it in the podcast because yeah, we, we talked about good, boxing for too long during the break and got I'm glad. I thought I made it brilliant. There was a lot of talk oh. about. You thought that was a callback? No, oh. that was not a callback. That was you right. being. Uh, me uh, being a show off, just pulling something out. Of, yeah, I box. <laughs> hey, I box you guys. She ever just... showed up about the boxing? Hey, they punch people. Yeah. Um, no, I I think that's really valid. I mean, like what I write. Thankfully, I'm in a position where I'm allowed to write subjective criticism about a game, and I'm not being told this is a product review, and you need to, you know, make it like that or make it sound like that. There's no fun factor that we're grading, or you know, the sort of like jokey. Right. idea you know the old what is it game it's always idea. so funny when it, like it was hilarious to me where i would read a review of a walking dead episode we'd be talking about the emo- like all the things that boom 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 emotionally landed but like oh i didn't really th- i thought this character was a little weak and underdeveloped yada 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 and i'm like huh 
Yeah. Getting a two in replayability. Uh, <laughs> Fuck you, <God>. man. <laughs> like, oh, what? Man. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, 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 yeah. graphics, oh. six. Yep. Yeah. Get fucked. Like, yeah. what? <laughs> yeah. like, and it's not the guy or the lady who's doing the review. It's the fucking enterprise. It's, it's the, yeah. whole, really, the whole assumption that these are equally that. important yeah, to every so game. It's so funny like, to me. Ugh. I mean, games uh, Games are everything. Games are nothing. Games are every kind of thing that you can have an interactive games experience Games are Doge 2048. With. Try to review oh. that game spot. Oh. We didn't get to Take your Doge 2048. Throw down. Throw down right there. More Doge. High replayability. Yeah. I would also give it. I would also give it high marks in the graphics. Well, if you're a fucking like like threes alike wizard like Chris Remo, yeah, there's no replayability. But I'm saying you get to the fucking like galactic Doge at the end, (laughs) whose eyeballs shoot lasers, and you walk away and like smoke a cigarette and come back and flick it at the screen. Okay, fuck you. God damn it! I want to talk about this right now. I really don't. I want to talk about it next week because this is long. But. The people who made threes. Anyway, catch you next week on Idle Thumbs 153. (laughs) No, I really, okay. So the people who made threes made a comment about 2048. About, I mean, threes, I respect the people who made threes a huge amount. They made a disparaging comment about 2048 saying it's not as replayable and therefore not as good. Or like that was a strong implication in like a statement one of those two guys made. And like that was something I, I actually strongly disagreed with. Like I don't think replayability necessarily does inherently make something good. That's and what I was saying. We got that shitty replay specific review. reasons I feel that way about 2048 <laughs> and within that Doge 2048. Anyway, I don't want to talk about that anymore this week. I just wanted to... Uh, 2048 uh, yes. gets the exact same bullshit treatment by the review press <laughs> as some of my earlier Telltale work. Clearly. <laughs> horseshit. Hey, I reviewed Poker Night too. Actually. I didn't play. T- I didn't. I don't know. You didn't work on two. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, I didn't. I was not involved with that enterprise. With I that see. Game, with that mm. video game, I was okay. a part of Poker Night One team. I see. Two is beyond. Cool. Was after me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, anyway, like, if this has been a really great having you here, Danielle. Thank you. Sorry, I pretty much stepped on every single point. Yeah, you my to my toes are all sore from you stepping it's on them. Because Sean. Oh. <laughs> what, what's wrong with your toes? Ouch. <laughs> no, I, I I do need to say on this subject though that we we have a pretty ironclad policy at Polygon for reviewers in terms of what we can review and what we can't. And obviously, um, I probably could not review anything Firewatch. that you, you guys make. <laughs> anybody, <laughs> anybody, probably cannot review Firewatch. Reviewed, if anybody at Polygon reviewed a game that I worked on, who I, like I had had any more than a casual conversation with them, I would feel very uncomfortable about that. Well, no, yeah. I mean, well, or I already know, okay. I'm not going to like name names, but I definitely know. There are journalists who I'm who I who are just like because, coincidentally yeah, good I'm friends of mine because of like who have like told who have told me by the way. yeah I mean for people yeah. worried not because of, I actually think that anything bad would happen no no I know I, mean? I know I know and I don't like I don't know for people who think there really is some actual crazy conspiracy like I I've heard directly from like just people in the games press who I just like unrelated to anything have just become good friends with who have just told me like point blank like you know like I'm not like I'm gonna like recuse myself if I like from reviewing like this like. Like, yeah, of course. Like, that's fucking yeah. fine. Like, I don't give a shit. Like, I'm not trying to, like, grease wheels here. Like, I don't... For who fucking cares? <laughs> I don't know. It was the motion you made with the wheel was, greasing. Was <laughs> it was a sort of, like... I'm not going to say it was a testicular fondling. Sure. But I'm not not going to say it. Yeah. Well, that's <laughs> what I say. As I say that to their face, I'm... The little... Like, hey. is the subtext, right? Reading between the lines? Yeah. Yeah. No, but in reality, I think that I th- I think this stuff is a lot less sophisticated than 
some people want to think it is. And I guess the reason people feel that way is because they have no way of knowing otherwise. Yeah, it's an opaque black yeah, box. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's... But there's... Yeah. I mean... I don't know. I was a journalist for several years. I've been a developer for, I guess, even longer than that now. Weird. Um, like, and I, I've, I've worked in so many different, like I've worked in marketing departments. I've worked in development. I've worked as a journalist. I've worked as an editor and th- that shit just doesn't really happen. Like it just doesn't like there. I remember, uh, I don't know. It's, it's so much less sinister than people would imagine. Generally, people and are adults and they God, do their jobs. I almost like, keep going, but like, I also, but I do feel like there is a really sinister, sinister side to like big budget games PR, where it's like they keep you want to come fucking drive an Abrams tank. That's the weird thing, and then play Battlefield. That's the weird thing that people don't get up in arms about for some reason. Like the only people who have the resources to actually run something anywhere akin to like a cabal would be the people who can afford to fly 200 journalists out to a desert and take them on a fucking gun tour. Like, <laughs> yeah. Which happens. What? Which happens. Yeah, it happens yeah. all the time, right. Like, Remember it, when you got that mafia tequila machine gun? Oh, God. As a gift? Yeah. <laughs> that was the best thing. It was a giant glass <laughs> Tommy gun, literally the size of a Tommy gun oh that was filled Full with tequila. tequila. Yeah. yeah. Wow. We, but you, you had to drink out of the end of the like out of the out of the barrel. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's intense. Or pour a shot, or yeah, just yeah, drink yeah, yeah. straight from. I the mean, bottle. there there are. I I'm not going to name names and and whatever, but there are definitely PR teams that have profiles of journalists and whatever somebody gets oh, they to got a big site. Yeah, they've got yeah, folders sure. of like what do they like, what do binders they dislike. I, maybe I know. <laughs> I, I'm, I wonder if I'm in a binder somewhere and somebody's like, oh, she boxes. You're definitely in a binder. Binders full of women journalists. Binders full of women journalists. Trapper keepers full of men. Yeah. Pretty exciting stuff. I don't. I mean, that's that's so much closer to the shadowy conspiracy than anything anybody could afford on the indie level. Like, it's it's, and honestly, that and even that for the most part, I think is only in reality concerning when it comes to previews. I think by the time you get to the review stage, if there's influence going on, it's in this like constant like cosmic background radiation level of influence that affects all games where like. We do end up in these – I think we have these institutional review yeah. problems, but I don't think that's due to specific relationships. I think that's just due to like broad understandings of how this shit – of like how objective reviews should work right. or whatever. But I do think previews are I'm, – I'm a little bit less thrilled about overall. Yeah. I don't really – I that was the part of my job as a journalist that I actually hated doing and kind of got – was glad to get to a point in my career where I could just decide – this is not what I. Yeah, I the film industry actually does that a lot better. Yeah, I, game game previews. I feel kind of still feel sleazy to me, and I don't yeah. really like them. Actually, I, I take that back. You look at previews of Entertainment Weekly, whatever, and they're garbage. Oh, they're total garbage. Yeah. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I you know what? Uh, God, but it, but also, I mean, I, I I I actually just really don't like game previews. I think they're. <laughs> I, it's not to say I don't think people should promote their games ahead of time. They absolutely should. It's super important mm-hmm. if you're a developer that you get the word out about your game. It's incredibly yeah. important. But the way a lot of like large scale game previews are conducted still feels a little gross to me. But um, anyway, what are you gonna do? E three, everybody! Yay. <laughs> <laughs> Yay! All right, are we done? I guess I got a whole other point, but I'm gonna I let know. it go. Really? Do you want to? You don't want to? <laughs> you want me to share it? You What's want... okay? I think the interpersonal. Are we reaching like bombcast length? Yeah, level? the interpersonal the interpersonal relationships <laughs> that should be, be that should be able to be made by journalists are the ones that can't be made because if you work at 
a, yes, a rational or a, like I should say a 2K or you work at an EA or an Activision, you are fucking forbidden from talking to anybody in the press ever, except when there's a guy there with a fucking clipboard. Mm-hmm. But if you're yep. in like an indie or a small scale studio like Double Fine, it's totally like everybody hangs out and talks about the same shit and like gets the scoop and like talks about dirt and like knows what's going on in the industry and like goes yeah. to GDC. Which is, which is but better. Like, fuck, it's actually yeah. just better because I, people like it sucks because I know that p- there are going to be people who hear that and instantly react negatively and be like, well, they're just in bed with each other. But the reality is when you don't have those relationships at all, it means when bad shit does happen, it's a fucking clusterfuck of information. It's right. the garbage. You no have one... to go in and, and entangle this impenetrable yeah, nest. Right. And it's just, like it's a he God. said, she said of have PR you, and yeah. like scorn developers. Have either of you guys watched? Yeah. Um, Which I think is actually what that uh, the re- person who wrote the reader mail in was talking about was sort of like the coverage of mm-hmm. irrational closing. Yeah. Have either of yeah. you guys seen The Thick of It, the television show? Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. The Thick of It is one of my absolute favorite shows ever i've watched Story. it all the way is that the british times. one yeah it's, it's british it's, it's a british show about like oh is that what in the loop ended up being yeah of, in the loop okay, was like yeah, a yeah, spinoff yeah. movie yeah, yeah, from yeah, it, it's yeah. like different characters but similar similar thing. same, same guy yeah. though the same brain trust made it yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. same director same writer and director armando Iannucci. and like there's a great moment in the i think last series of the thick of it last season um where they they have a like a inquiry like a public inquiry into um, like government leaks, like the ethics of leaking, and like Malcolm Tucker, who's this like fucking just lord, like dark fucking lord of it, like <laughs> political enforcement within his party. He was sort of this Darth Vader figure of Carl his thing, Rove. like yeah, yeah Carl, kind of Karl Rove esque. <laughs> He's um like summoned to testify up on this topic, and he kind of like exasperatedly at a certain point says like you need leaks to happen you need this to happen because without leaks dark shit builds up exactly and it's like i as fuck as much of a fucking insane like crazy person this guy is in the show like he's this like amazingly hilarious just horrifying individual (laughs) he's fucking totally right totally right though because if you're doing some if you're treating your employees a certain way or like you're like passing along a certain ethos in development it's like this is the mission of our game. And it's something fucked up and sexist or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, like, but you're doing that with impunity. You're doing that in an environment where you're like, nobody's going to fucking find out about this because I run the fucking ship and I got like everything. There's no like fucking got all the holes blocked, you know, but if you go home at night and go, if that showed up on Polygon, how would I feel? And go, ah, and you get scared. Okay. Now you're probably, if you feel that feeling of like, oh, I hope nobody finds out about this. Like, thank God that we're an ironclad, like, fucking locked up, like, to the gills, like, yeah. get this yeah. thing figured out ship. Like, if that's the way you feel, like, that's not good. That's you know, test, it's important yeah. to, like, I mean, that's exactly right. Like, I don't know. that Those relationships are actually important for that reason. Because, like, if you don't have, like, a super clear moral compass, and then all of a sudden you're like, oh, if somebody found out, oh, God, so-and-so could find out about this because it's, like, you know, people, we all have this relationship and you start to feel bad, it means you're doing something fucked up and you should probably re-examine how you're running your company or trying to build your product. Like it's, I don't know. You're completely right, Chris. Thanks, Our, Malcolm. Tom. Armando. Armando yeah. Inucci. Inucci is actually yeah. right. That's a really good pull. Yeah. yeah. That was my last point. Also, fucking watch the thing of it. That show is incredible. Mm-hmm. It's such Hell a... Hell yeah. It's takeaways like from this week's episode. pieces of television I've ever seen. Play South Park. <laughs> Get involved with local politics. <laughs> yes. Watch the thick of it. Befriend your local journalist. <laughs> <laughs> and work out to idle thumbs. Yeah. Definitely do that. Like That's we all the do. most important. Well, you're going to, you just, 
probably going to need an IV bag after this one because this was a lot <laughs> long. Send your this is for marathon training. Yeah. Oh, and if you want a different way to experience the Adult Thumbs podcast, um, like if you're on your treadmill and you've got your iPad handy, you could always uh, go to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash idle videos. Um, we, we, I like giving this guy a shout out because he does so much amazing work for us every single week. Uh, Idle Thumbs reader Johnny Driggs uh, every week puts out very quickly a fully annotated YouTube video of this of the most recent episode of Idle Thumbs yeah. that is time stamped throughout, which is amazing. Um, so amazing. like, why did they talk about? Bleh? You yeah, can just go, go look at the timestamp and it's link to a timestamp version. Really of awesome, it. and, I'm, oh, and some amazing. people are watching it like straight on YouTube. It feels like a totally cool way to to like yeah, listen to the absolutely. show. Absolutely, like the, the yeah the the video is just the Idle Thumbs logo with. Like whatever headline is currently mm-hmm. happening in the, the podcast matter. at the time. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's so, youtube.com slash idle videos. Mm-hmm. Thanks, yeah. Johnny Driggs, Idle Thumbs Reader Extraordinaire, for making that happen. The last thing I oh God. Can also, I, can if I you're, shout out an Idle Thumbs Reader? Also? Yeah. Oh, a reader. Okay. Of course. Uh, person, I don't know what they are on the Idle Thumbs forums, but they're Gritfish on Twitter. Uh-huh. Yeah, they yeah. are hosting a game jam, a public domain game jam, which sounds really cool. So any public domain property, Sherlock Holmes, you know, fairy tales, things like that. Oh, That's coming awesome. up soon, and that person let me know about it, and I only knew them because of Final Thumbs. So, Rad. Final forums. Yeah. So many really good things. And if you're in the Phoenix area, it's like a week and a half or two weeks till ZapCon, which is the big uh, arcade machine pinball Ooh. con there in Phoenix, hosted by our friends Kevin and Zach from Kingdom of Loathing and uh, Asymmetric Corporation. This but, has been yeah. a reprise of plug zone where plugs rule well i told zach i would mention zapcon and also oh the thing i wanted to tell you is i told him i would mention it if he wore an idle thumbs t-shirt so if you heard about it here you could walk up to him he's tall dark hair glasses really great guy and you have to just uh oh and he'll be wearing an idle thumbs t-shirt yeah Excellent. so you have to go talk to him that's that's the one the one rule but just yeah, go another to, example of but they had like 150 the marketing machine at work yeah just i was asking him did i tell you about this they had 150 <laughs> or something and they're gonna have more this year like arcade machines there that just like free wow. to play open Jesus. to go that sounds amazing in a ballroom actually. yeah that's cool so zapcon phoenix right. cool holy crap this has been long yep <laughs> good night and good luck good night bye bye thanks for having me what a weird episode It sounds like that was just a long walk so you could make a pee box joke. We're never going to be done with this podcast. You know why? Because I'm having a good time.